Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 2, entitled Home. Uh, what do you think of this episode, Aaron? Well, we have an informal rating system here where uh, we judge an episode based on the quality of booze we're drinking. And uh, oh, right. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking Lagavulin. I'm drinking I, I Highland noticed, Park. So I think we both agree that this is a pretty fucking good episode. Just 12 year, but that's all I had on hand, so... Yeah. Uh, last time I last time I busted this out was the season finale of The Leftovers season two. <laughs> okay, so it's a pretty damn good episode, and yeah. I, I, uh, and I feel like uh, all my 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 book reader brethren and sistren are with me now that they're seeing like, hey, uh, once you get over the fact that maybe everything everything's not going to be exactly like the books, this is super exciting because we've been waiting for five years, some of us, to get the answers that we got in this episode. And there's the promise of lots more to come. So I feel like it's incredibly exciting. It was very well done. Great scenes. It wasn't just like the action. It was the, you know, some of the character moments between uh, the various actors. Um, yeah. I, what more do you, what more do you want out of an episode of Game of Thrones? An uh, epic battle. If we could right. have thrown in like a yeah. Blackwater hard home style battle, that would have been like the best. <laughs> but uh-huh. I feel like one of those is coming. I feel like one of those is coming. Yeah, Jamie's angry. The mountain smashing heads. Uh, well, not just that, but there's a reckoning coming in the north. There's, there's, okay, there's, so there's two battles. I that's mean, what there's going to be one in King's Landing. There's got to be between sure. the sparrows and whoever. Sure. Uh, and then, yeah, the north. I mean, Ramsey's sending troops that way. Yeah. The wildlings are up there. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. But, like, you know, it's it's fun. Lots of confirmation of theories. Uh, a couple theories died hard deaths. Um uh, uh, you know, I don't want to get any spoilers, but the bolt is now off. The roost is no longer loose. The roost is no longer spruce. The Ramsey's no longer on the Lamsey. Uh, All right. <laughs> Ramsey Bolton's dead. What the fuck? Uh, Ramsey Bolton is not dead. Roost Bolton is ah, dead. Ah, sorry. Uh, Ramsey's on the Lamsey. I have Roos to correct you because if I don't, you'll get a thousand emails. No, thank you. That uh, would be roughly, uh, you know, half of what I got this week. <laughs> so I appreciate everything you could do to stem that off. Yeah, I, I thought this episode was real solid. Uh, I, uh, surprisingly, a couple of moments, like Cersei and Tommen, their little thing got me a little bit. Like, Yeah. Because Tommen's so innocent. Like, Tommen just wants to do what's right, and Cersei's manipulative, and do you think, he feels so bad, and I feel bad for him. Do you think he's going to be the true steel and resist his mother's worst impulses? No, or do you think he's going no. to be the true I think Plato? Just, I think he gave in to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I want to be strong. Help me. And things are going to go real bad for hmm. everyone there. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of people are like, oh, he's going to turn into Joffrey. I I no, don't know. No. Jo- Joffrey had a lot of his own volition, yeah. uh, where I feel yeah. like this is going to be more of a tragedy than a, oh, God, this someone can someone, you know, off this kid but absolutely yeah yeah uh well do we have anything to talk about before we get into the recap uh it's all pike in the opening credits the the capital city of the iron islanders the Greyjoys. i haven't seen that in many many a season might have been like season two three since we've seen that is that is it the castles the ones with the 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 rickety bridges connected yeah rickety as to bridges why why i don't understand in a land that's ravaged by storms (laughs) why you build the ricketiest possible bridges why in a land ravaged by obesity and heart disease do we glorify the consumption of meat and see that as a manly thing? I, good question. I 
Good question. It's like, you know, you're not going to have some pussy on a throne that can't navigate a rickety bridge. If he falls off the bridge, then I guess he was no Iron Islander. I mean, you know. Well, let's let's make the castles ricketier then, too. <laughs> let's really go all out. Did you? They look pretty rickety. Well, They look they're like still, they're clinging for they're dear life castles. under those rocks. Yeah. I mean, come on. Oh, I see. Make them literally glass houses. Right. Come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> go, go. I mean, if you're going to commit, commit. Uh, all right. Let's, let's start off with Bran. He sees a vision of his family. Uh, he sees Lyanna. He sees Binjin. He sees Ned. He sees Hodor. Uh, then the tree guy pulls him out of the vision, and Hodor drags him outside the cave where Mira is looking glum, and the tree girl tells her that Bran needs you. Yeah. Uh, a lot to talk about here. I kind of glossed over a bunch. They didn't... I, I found it funny in the previously on that they cut right before they show the guy in the tree. They never actually show Tree Man. Because they, you know, they change actors and they didn't want. Yeah, to they'd have Saruman people, right? the Dingy up there, and then you go to Max von Sydow, and right, what the fuck, man? That I, I feel like that was a move to not commit, like just remind you enough that there's some guy in a tree, but not yeah. actually confuse you. With I, what it, he looks it, like, yeah, and that's kind of how I would remember it because I that was one of the big gripes I had of season four. It's like if you're going to if you're going to recast him and kind of like put this off until it turns out two seasons later, why show him at all? Right, but the show. Yeah, I mean, in that, a that's, single shot. This show does this a lot. I mean, we've we've gone through uh, two Dondarians, two Darios, three mountains. mountains yep. So I don't feel like it's something that. And yet they're clinging to Bran. They're really <laughs> clinging to Bran with everything <laughs> they've got. And I think he's a really good actor. So like, I don't mind them clinging to it, but uh, it is interesting to see how just giant he is now. He's right. a man full grown. Jim. Yeah, he's standing aside that uh, Max, and it's like he's yeah. just as tall as him. Yeah. So, uh, and it's nice to see him walking around in these visions. I thought that was pretty uh, a yeah. pretty cool touch. Yeah, and then you know, lounging on set, like I mentioned in the the instant cast. Yeah. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Uh, the other thing I thought was cool here uh-huh. is when they show Benjen and Ned training together. Sure. Is he he grabs Ned by the head and says, "I'll uh, something like keep your shield up, or I'll ring your head like a bell next time," mm-hmm. which is exactly what John told Ollie when he they started training together. Yes, which is a nice callback. John's it, got the stark touch. Yeah, obviously this is like a, a thing that John remembers from his childhood. Ned probably said this to sure. him, right? Ned or, said or Ned said it, it, Ned it to, to Rob. Rob and, Rob's at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, good touch. I like that. Anything else you want to talk about here? Or? Yeah, actually, I had a so. The fact that Hodor used to talk was such a shocking thing to me, uh, and it's not something that they've touched on in the books. Huh. And it started me like I started doing this, uh, maybe some show drive tinfoil. I did some research into why, like you know, what causes a, dis- a disorder like Hodor? Is there like some kind of real life analog? And I was amazed that there actually is. Um, it's a it's called expressive aphasia. Where you are largely have your cognitive abilities intact, but your speech center is all fucked up, and it's yeah. it's it happens when you have a, a damage, either physical trauma or like a stroke that affects the uh, probably going to butcher this because that's what I do, the Broca area of the brain, 
which is named after a French physician of the same name who first studied and described these injuries. Um, this guy uh, found this man. Um, his name was Louis Victor Lebrajane, I think is how you pronounce it. But again, I'm probably butchering it. That this guy uh, took a blow to the head and lost the ability to have speech over the course of 20 years. And finally, he, uh, people nicknamed him Tan because he was only able to say the word Tan over and over again, which sounds okay. a lot like Hodor. Now, right. the reason I think this is interesting is because the science behind this is that uh, these people are mentally intact. They just the, – the speech, the part of your brain that uh, translates your thoughts to speech is is broken. But it's a one-way break. Like, you know, it implies that Hodor can perfectly understand. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that also, like, you know, I, I it, it kind of led credence to my theories that when I was on the uh, Instant Take podcast that I felt like they were doing a lot with Hodor where it seems like he was a lot more with it than we've seen him in previous seasons. Uh-huh. And also, when I was doing research, I found that someone that wrote an article already last year talking about this this French physician and this case as it applies to Hodor. And they mentioned he has a scar. He does, yeah. On his head, right? I saw that. And that's right where that region of the brain is. Gotcha. Now, interestingly enough, the actor, real-life actor, has a sequence of star tattoos right there. Right. So it's probably just covering that, but... I doubt it's just covering they can that. Make... I think it's also covering that. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the key... People have assumed that Bran is able to warg into Hodor because he's a simpleton. Right. This implies that that's, if anything, maybe that's Dumbo's feather. Like, he thinks that he can warg into Hodor because he's a simpleton or whatnot, but he's, you know, Hodor is a fully intact person with minor brain trauma, but he's a fully conscious, intelligent. You know, we saw in the the vision uh, that he was articulate, even. Like, I thought he was fairly well spoken. Maybe Bran can do this to just, like, it's not just. Uh, dire wolves and uh, you yeah. know simple-minded, but but he could take over anyone. I mm-hmm. think that was extremely interesting. And Can all... he take over a white? Can he take <laughs> over a white walker? I would think if you could take over, like you're taking over an intelligent person, is about the hot. You know, that's uh, maybe I don't know because th- so, yeah. they also introduced the idea of these dragons being intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's always been something that people speculated. Oh, maybe Bran's going to eventually warg into a dragon. Uh, yep. which would give yep. credence to the you won't need the walk, you'll fly um, things that the Three-Eyed Raven told him in Season 4. So I thought this was all, again, nothing from the books, but all organically kind of things that they put in here. Um, it just seems obvious that Hodor was inspired by the story uh, yep. of of this physician and this tan guy, and I thought that was all incredibly exciting and really, really cool. Yeah, it adds another layer to that character that I think it needed. Because um, really, he was just a vehicle. Yes. <laughs> Both a plot vehicle and a literal vehicle for Bran. And also implies that there is something pivotal to his character that you know we're going to progressively reveal through flashbacks. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe <laughs> Bran and him will have a conversation inside his head someday right. that will reveal some important secret. But well, it that's also... what I was wondering. Like When Bran goes inside of Hodor, clearly he didn't know that Hodor, Hodor could speak, right? So uh, when Bran goes inside of him, that kind of implies that he, he kind of takes over. And there, it's not like a mind meld. It's not like Spock getting up on sure. you. It's just he's inside there. He's occupying your brain and your consciousness is suppressed. And what must that, you know, is that a pleasant experience? Um, but also it implies well, that maybe Bran is even more powerful than we an- initially thought. Like My point is he didn't glean any information from that experience ah, about Hodor, right? Well, was he listening? I mean... Sure, sure. There could the be some just, other... 
other you know circumstances in which it works but yeah like you said it's not i mean it's not a mind meld we don't really know what it is because yeah. bran is entirely untrained in his use of this power mm-hmm. what you know now he's gone to yoda is he going to be able to lift X-Wing out of the swamp? Uh-huh. Is is Hodor's brain the X-Wing? Except this time Yoda's <laughs> carrying him in the backpack. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, by proxy. Um, no, right. but yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that I was like, holy shit, when I was watching this episode. I also, I thought that this was even better the second time. Okay. Because I lost my initial, like, holy shit reaction, and I was able yeah. to turn on, you know, I was, like hear everything and process everything, and, and mm-hmm. it really held up on a second watch. Okay, let's go up to Castle Black. We we oh wait, got... did we did we talk about um, his uh, talk with uh, Mira? Uh, I mentioned that yeah, Mira's looking glum and Bran needs her. I mean that was another exciting idea that the fact that Bran is going to leave this place mm-hmm. because I guess when I got to this point in the books, I just assumed that the three eyed raven. Or Three Eyed Crow, or, or whoever, uh, is an old dude, and he's essentially retra- uh, training his replacement. Oh, okay. that you know, Bran is going to sit in the tree roots, and he's going to be the green, the 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 arch green seer for the future. Him going forth from this place, I thought was interesting, and the fact that he would need Mira's assistance to both probably keep right. him grounded, and I, I mean, I don't know, but that that was another really cool thought that I thought was fairly mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem like tree guys doing much up there. Like, if, if hey, you don't if, know <laughs> if being in that tree could help you prevent this war, then what the fuck are you doing, tree guy? I'm gonna call him tree guy the whole podcast. Well, I don't know his actual wait, name. Wait till you wait till you see Westeros without tree guy. I mean, okay. it could have been even right. worse. You just you don't you don't know. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so now we go up to Castle Black. Night has come. Alistair wants Davos to open the door. Uh, they know they're gonna they're gonna have to fight, so they prepare. And then, just in the nick of time, the wildlings roll in, they take everybody prisoner, Alistair included, and then Tormund takes a look at John's body and decides, I'm going to prepare a fire for this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there, there are a couple of really great moments in here. I mean, that giant busting down the gate and smashing that guy's head against the wall is amazing. Ragdoll. Uh, the line where Alistair's like, for a thousand years, we've held the wall against the wildlings. Mm-hmm. And he's like, until you. Uh-huh. What a great line. Yeah. Just sick burn. And I, I thought everyone played it well. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm throwing my support behind Lord Commander Ed for 2016. Really? Okay. Yep. I mean, I don't think he's going to get the chance. You don't? John's back. I don't. I don't know. It so depends on whether lots... John's vows are null at this point. And that's the thing. Like the fact that he was dead for a really long time. He was. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue that Days? this was. I, I mean, at least a full day. At least. Uh, you can't argue that this is like. Oh well, he was. He was merely pining for the fjords. He was just resting his eyes. He was <laughs> dead. He yeah. had shuffled off the mortal coil. <laughs> like nine stabs. Yeah, and and there it, the fact that the Night's Watch vows are the Night's Watch vows. I mean, that's something that book readers have been wrestling with for five years. Like, does this mean he's no longer Lord Commander? Can he? I mean, I'm sure that they could vote him to be Lord Commander again, but you could very sure. much argue that he's not even a black brother. He fulfilled his duties. Yep, and he'd have to take the vows again. He'd have to go through that whole process if I mean, he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like... That's an interesting question because that's like, you know, if you're a Christian and you get baptized and you go off and you do the whole prodigal son thing and you come back, do you have to get rebaptized? 
Good question. Uh, or if you switch religion, I think like, you probably just have to ask for forgiveness. You have to repent. Yeah, yeah. That's that's in, my in Christian of mythology. The, the good book, but yet I know that there are some that uh, I don't know. There's no second baptism, but I know that there's some sects that would re- like if you got baptized as a Catholic, sure. you became a Baptist, but you have to be rebaptized. Oh, probably you got sprinkled by a priest. You got to get baptized, son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's all interesting things to debate, and certainly stuff we're going to get to in the feedback section. Yeah, and this episode I'm really starting to like uh, Davos more. Yeah. And Davos is, he's moving up the charts as far as my favorite characters. Well, and, and the technique that they use to build the tension, like, I knew that the, the I, intellectually I knew the wildlings were going to come and save the day, but when they, you know, you've, you've got this kind of like literal beat of the doors being beat down and they cut the ghost and he's baring his fangs and looking like, yeah. oh shit, it's about to go down and Davos is drawing a sword, which is funny because this, this how, um, here's how trailers lie. I assumed that he was going to do some kind of freaky blood magic and, and I don't know, cut off John's fingers. I don't, but when he says, I apologize you're about to, for what you're about to see, and he draws a sword, I thought he was going to do something to John's body to help uh, Melisandre. Yeah, yeah. No, he's just like, I'm never. I'm a pirate. I'm not the world's best swordsman, so right. sorry. Uh, and, and I really like the, the, the banging down of this door because it mirrors the banging down of the gates. It's like, yes. we're the big bad in this moment. We're coming in to kill all of you, Davos. And then, oh, no, there's a bigger bad, a, a real big bad coming through our front gates. Yeah. It's really cool. Castles within castles. Yeah. And I'm wondering what they're going to do with Ollie and Thorn because it doesn't seem like Thorn can be redeemed. He would rather die than admit that he was wrong. And if I'm John, do I ever trust him again? Do I ever trust any of these guys again? Like, that's the thing. I'm... But Ollie seems like, I mean, what is Ollie? He's just a little boy. What does he do when John comes back from the dead and he's like, hey, bro, it hurt uh... when he's knifed me? I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I tried to teach you how to fight yourself, and you stick a knife in my gut. What, what kind of bullshit is this? Like, Ollie might be redeemed. And I wonder if Ollie's Ollie some might, kind of... Ollie might, but Alistair, yeah, he's... I wonder if Ollie's some kind of pivotal figure, too. Like, if they uh, went over Ollie... Hmm, okay. Ollie's got his parents murdered by these wildlings, like, Tormund right. specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, Which is why he, he tries to run in and kill him. Sure. And <laughs> Tormund just <laughs> grabs him by his face and pushes him down, essentially. Yeah, I believe the term is manhandled. <laughs> I also liked how, you know, it kind of refuted what what people have been saying about the wildlings because they showed a remarkable amount of restraint. Like, it's like, hey, we're here to stop this. If there's any bloodshed or violence, it's on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. At Tormund's, he took a lot of knives. Uh, <laughs> and just looking down at John's butchered body, I thought that was pretty great. Sure did. Uh, yeah, great. And then we go over to King's Landing and. Uh, uh, some guy's bragging about Cersei, getting a look at his dong and licking her lips. And I, am I, I didn't care enough to go back and, and go through that episode to see, uh, but I know that someone did expose himself to Cersei. I thought it was an older guy, because I remember, like, gray pubes. Uh, oh, I, okay. <laughs> so I, 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 I thought it'd been an interesting piece of continuity that they brought that actor back just as an inside yeah. joke. But Why I didn't. They? I don't know if it. I don't. I. I honestly don't remember. Okay. I'm just saying, and I didn't care enough, and I was so swamped with all the other shit I was doing that yeah. it's like if anyone wants to go do that and confirm, that would be awesome. But I don't think it really matters because this guy gets his head tomato canned. Yeah, at the end of the day, this, this guy is obviously, uh, you know, just spinning a tail. Here. He's a bullshit artist. He doesn't. Right. He didn't even need to be. He didn't even need to be there. No, and this is why these people keep him around because he tells funny stories and gets drunk and yeah. acts a fool. Yeah. Uh, 
And, he's, then, and yeah. he's blessed down south. Which if is if, he? Are we sure about that? Man, did you? I, so I was seeing his profile when he was taking you a piss on the a wall. Few times. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> he looked like the, he looked like he was packing. All right. Okay. He looked like he was packing. Down he pissed there. on the mountain shoes. I, probably not the best of moves. Well, that's the thing. Like, was the mountain just going to be like, "Hey, man, I don't appreciate what you're saying about your queen," and then he pissed on his boots and like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think I he's just gonna... bought these. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just had the blacksmith hammer these out, man. Do you know what it's? You know how? Do you know how much rust urine creates? Salt water's got nothing in it. Extremely corrosive, especially with alcohol. Just oh yeah, drenched just, in alcohol, just eats right through them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he goes in the alley to piss. He gets head bashed in by the mountain. Cersei attempts to then go to her daughter's funeral, but the guards won't let her on orders from the king. And I I really love this confrontation here because. That Lannister guard. The mountain guard. doesn't give a fuck, and the Lannister guards are scared shitless but they're, of the mountain. But they're doing their duty, man. They have to. I mean, what else can they do, right? Well, it's like, you know, you, you sometimes read, like, individual uh, tales of heroism from, like, uh, the German warmach, you know, the, right. the, the regular soldiers, and they're like, not everyone was a Nazi, you know? Like, some guys are just like, hey, I'm just trying to fight for my country. Sure. A lot of people say that about Rommel. Um I thought it was interesting that kind of like we've always seen the Lannister guards as shits. Yeah. And these guys are just trying to do their job and they're well, they're brave. Th- they certainly are. Uh I also got a little bit of a vibe where where it's like the Russians in in the World Wars where you don't go out there and fight, we're going to shoot you. Like yeah. you're going to go out there and fight. Like I got a little bit of that vibe huh. too. Like these this is your job if you don't do it, we're going to string you up or something. Hmm. So they're like, well, we're going to die one way or another if we yeah. don't do this. So. I would I would pick death by a Cersei versus death by the mountain. but uh, I bet the mountain to make it quick. He just smash your head like a grape. <laughs> His face is god-awful. It's horrifying. It's like the they are really doing some interesting things with his bloody beet red piggy eyes and his mottled purple face. Yep. Um, it, it, and I wonder, I, I've been wondering a lot about the, the mountain himself. Like how much humanity does he have left? Because right. there's a lot of things in the books that suggest that, uh, you know, he suffered from gigantism, obviously. Uh, you know, he's he's huge, uh, much like Andre the Giant. And one thing we know about much people... Much like Hodor. Yeah, well, m- much th- well, he's got giant's blood in him, who knows. Um, mm. But one thing we know about real-life people that suffer from that, you know, growth disorder is they are a lot of times in excruciating pain. Uh, like, Andre the Giant drank, like, 50, 60 beers a day as a f- form of self-medication. And in the book... The mountain drinks uh, milk of the poppy, which is kind oh, of like okay. uh, opium, yeah, of. opium, morphine, the way normal men drink beer, right. just to stave off the crushing headaches and the pain that he's experiencing on a daily basis. Now, mm. he was a shit from the time he was a child, but you wonder how much of his murderous rampages is just from just a life of constant pain. And, like, does he have any kind of consciousness now? Is, like, how does he obey orders what is he? Because he he looked like he had a little bit of his own volition. The way he was kind of staring down the troops, that might just be a flourish that they put in there. But hmm. this is the uh, Aaron reads way too much into everything edition because <laughs> I just couldn't help it. Like I'm just looking for every little possible detail or clue. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's interesting to consider, especially with you know the stuff about Hodor in here. And I was even freeze framing because they kept on showing Cersei's hands conspicuously, right? And she had this big, giant gold ring that, and I thought it was a lion head, but when I looked at it, it was more of like a flower. 
hmm. which is more of a Tyrell kind of thing, a high garden thing. Right. But then someone on Reddit pointed out that what they're really illustrating is how frayed her robes are. With the point that these are her mourning, these are the drab like mourning robes that a person would wear when like they're officially in mourning, and mm-hmm. they're making a point of she's been in mourning a lot. Like yeah. these, these are the kind of garments you buy once in a lifetime, and you use them all your life. And here she's her father, two her husband, sons, like her, yeah, that she has been living in this shit, yeah. and, and what effect that that's having on her character, which I thought was a really smooth touch. Yeah, I didn't even notice that because I was like, Honestly, "Is this is this the, the ring of power? Is she right. controlling the mountain with this?" I but yeah, it's it's a lot of great touches. The other question I have about the mountain: so they there is a conspicuous shot of the blood on his his gauntlets there, uh, or yes. bracers. What I didn't didn't see if they went all the way to his hands, but I think all those greaves or that is that the leggings. I don't know. I haven't yeah. played enough fantasy games, enough Oblivion <laughs> uh, or Skyrim. Uh, so they showed all the blood on him, and clearly he hasn't cleaned it off. It, wouldn't it be cool if he just continues to get bloodier and bloodier? Because he doesn't have to. He sleep. starts off in like this crisp t- white, yeah. And he's this just... beautiful gold armor, and by the end of it, it's just covered in it's gore, carnage. and like he just gets scarier and more. He's disturbing never going to take it off or bathe he himself. Bathe. He doesn't or... sleep. Why yeah. would he? Like that would be a cool creepy touch who's gonna give the mountain a bath like who's gonna say the mountain i love you but it's time jamie's like as lord commander i need you to wash your shit off and he just like stares at him (laughs) right (laughs) well uh, we go back to uh the 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 chamber where marcella's body is Mm -hmm. and tommen and jamie are looking at it tommen's talking with jamie he tells him he's ashamed that he couldn't protect his family and then the High Sparrow walks in, and Jamie says, you need to go see your mother, which he hasn't done yet because of his shame. Uh, Tommen leaves, and Jamie threatens the High Sparrow with the sword, but the High Sparrow threatens back with a bunch of sparrows who emerge from the shadows mm-hmm. from behind these statues. Uh, first thing I noticed as soon as they showed Marcella's body, Tristane, couldn't you at least match her skin tone? <laughs> like, couldn't you get close? Like, are these the only paints you have? I get it. In Dorne... People have darker skin. Maybe uh-huh. it's the only kit you had with you, but <laughs> borrow the King's Landing paint, please. Born skin tone. Uh, <laughs> those surely are not Tristane's eyes, though, right? Because he got murdered. He was in the middle of painting, wasn't he? Yeah. So unless somebody finished him up, yeah. Someone else had to, to, to do him justice. Hmm. I don't know who did it, but... Uh, I want to say a couple things here. First of all, Tommen's hair. He's got too much head squeezed into too little crown. Like, You're right. jo- was Joffrey right. just a a notorious pinhead? But imagine what did that crown look like on Robert? Because I don't remember. <laughs> he wore it as a pinky ring. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bring me the crown stretcher. Uh, he's always sitting f- uh, fetching Lancel off for a joke. Uh, I don't uh-huh. think it's the same crown, but yeah, I. It's I, not really. I well, I mean, no. I thought that he had his crown was a little bit staggier. Okay. Like that. This is yeah, more yeah. like I, I like I, I don't. I don't think this is a plot point, but I, I I assume that this is something that Tywin did, just like he was melting ice behind the scenes, is kind of like chortling to himself, is like, oh, I got the <laughs> the lines all up in the stag now. Uh, I, I thought that they kind of reworked that, um, but then again, maybe not because I'm looking thinking back at the original Game of Thrones um, marketing stuff where they had like the hand holding the crown, and it looks a lot like that. I thought the crowns were passed down. Yeah, they should be, shouldn't they? I, I mean, that's a symbol of the king, right? Yeah. Like, uh, but someone needs to size it because it's just not yeah. like he's just you know four lock. That, that crown was built for a Targaryen. Can I just <laughs> say that? Um, I also thought. Uh, did you notice that he there was some weird tier continuity? 
Like Tommen had tears coming out of his eyes was he's talking to Jamie in the next scene they're dried up. Oh, I didn't notice. What has dried may never cry. I had to work that in I, yeah, I workshop and come back come back when you got it. Uh, <laughs> so wait, 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 I'm not I'm still not done. I'm still not done. Okay, I'm also, not either. I also liked how they like when Cersei was shut out, I thought this was because Tommen is still pissed at her. But you find out that he's actually protecting his mother and is paranoid that he'll be put in a position where he once again has to make impossible choices and he he just can't do it. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really nice character touch for him. Right. Uh, and, and there's, you know, the scene with the High Sparrow where Cersei apparently... So I, I thought that, you know, last season they said, okay, we'll let you stay in the castle, but you're still going to have a trial. It seems like... I mean, the High Sparrow says she atoned for her sins, with which I guess is the Walk of Shame. Uh, which implies that there's not going to be a trial, in my mind. Well, but we also know she didn't confess to nearly half of what she actually right, did. Right, so it could come back. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Jamie's just throwing around all his sins. Yeah. So I, I have a question for you. Is this scene implying that Jamie is taken hostage, is taken prisoner by the Sparrows? I don't think so. Okay. Because that he would confesses be, seems... all his sins. And, sure. And... But, but it seems like that would be... I don't know. Um, I yeah. I, the, I, the the high sparrow leaves. The other sparrows don't. I I couldn't tell. I don't think it is, but uh, it also could be. Yeah. I'm just not sure. I man, I wish old Jamie was here because right-handed Jamie. Yeah, right-handed Jamie. I think takes on these guys and mops the floor. Oh, I want to see that. And the line about you would dare spill blood in this holy place. He goes, "Why not? The blood. The gods spill more blood than any of us." Was yeah. was perfect. I and I. I like how the High Septon was playing this because he, I'm like, okay, he's actually going to defeat Jamie just with his words and his his, his piety, his piety. Mm-hmm. And no, uh, turns out that just when I thought that that was going to be the case, and the thing is, is I think that would have worked. Jamie's a different enough guy that if he had just been like, hey, I'm just trying to do my job, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my fault that you guys, you fucking incest Lannister abominations came and squatted in the capital and fucked up the whole country. Yeah. Uh, and then just as he's saying, like, you know, we have to rely on the, the God's mercy like everyone. And then he, you know, sets his thumb on the God scale. I'm like, all right, fuck this guy. Together we can overthrow an empire. Which I mean, to me betrays the true nature of this guy. He's not out for that's the thing. justice. He's not out for to, to for righteousness. He's out... To overthrow this empire. Is that somewhat disappointing that you don't have, like, a people's champion um, and that he's just essentially the same as Littlefinger or Varys or any of them? Or do you think it's just, like, that's realistic? <laughs> I, I'm tending uh, that that seems like it's more more realistic. I think it is. That the bare I, I feet wish there was and the somebody tattered good. rags I mean, are just an affectation. Yeah. He knows he's got power and he he's flexing it and... Yeah, yeah, King's Landing is just a cesspool at the moment. It's everybody bad all in the same place, and I'm waiting for a, you know, somebody good or somebody better, let's yeah. say, to come in and mop up. Yeah, but man, Jamie's face when he's when he steps in and he's like, "Go and go and see your mother, Tom." And yeah, like, oh man, I thought, oh, ah. <laughs> there's there's gonna be there's gonna be some reckoning here, and it's gonna be awesome. Uh, so Tommen does go to his mother, and he apologizes for keeping her from the funeral and also not being able to protect her from the sparrows. It's a fairly touching scene for this young, innocent king. 
surprising to you that Cersei was so resting bitch face with him? Or is that uh, just she not can't help super herself? surprising. Yeah, I think that's in her nature. Yeah, from her, like, you know, begging the High Septon to go see her son last, I thought that she might. I mean, I guess she does hug him and forgive him, but... Yeah, at the end. And also, I'm not really sure... I mean, they're they're giving such complex performances that I would believe that she's just being kind of a narcissist and punishing him for things that he's already sorry for, or that she is just emotionally worn out and scared for him and knowing that you need to be strong and not knowing that if he can be strong, mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly sure what all nuances I was seeing in these performances. I think there's a lot in there. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if Tommen stops apologizing, like kind of on, on the second tier of that apology, she keeps her back turned to him and maybe doesn't forgive him. She but was I waiting think... for him to really just like put his tail between his legs and roll yeah. over and piss himself before. Like, oh, okay. I'll give you a, I'll give you a hug. Yeah. Mommy and, and still then, loves you conditionally, but I think but... she does. Like I, that's the thing, right? She does care for her children. She and, does. Even and she's angry and she's hurt and she's all of the all of the above. And you know, let's not forget, she's a horrible, horrible person in yep. many other ways. Yep. But I and, and I wonder if this is the moment where she's going to like Tom is going to give authority over to her. She's going to start exerting more influence again. Seems like it. But it Jamie's could there. Be. And I don't right. know that Jamie is going to put up with the Joffrification of another of his mm. kids. Yeah. Uh, we'll do you see. think that he reveals... I mean, we we joked about that in the instant cast. Like, he's paranoid about revealing the true parentage because his kids just drop like flies whenever he... Oh, yeah. But do you think that that's something that will happen this... I think eventually, yeah. Huh. I would like to see... Let's Let's say I would like to see how a kid deals with that for more than five seconds before they die. Right. Yeah, that's what I would like to see. How does Tommen deal with this? An already kind of fragile kid. Because we saw like Joffrey was just like completely disdainful of his father, and you don't even have a hand anymore, and you're a shit lord commander, and yeah. you got half a page in this book, and blah. And you know, Marcella was like, yeah, "Of course, I've always known, and I love you, and you're my dad." And like, <laughs> what is like an in between reaction to that? It, it's the, it's the baby bear. Goldilocks is going to get it just right this time, and mm. I, I can see Jamie being. You know, because we we talked about how surprising it was that they're kind of like everything's back to normal. But that might be a way to get us as show watchers to reinvest in a relationship right before you add a new friction to it. Right. Because if they're already fighting on the outs and then they start fighting over the soul of Tommen, well, par for the course. But if they've renewed their vows to each other and now it's like, well, I don't like what you're doing to Tommen. Well, I don't like what you're, you know, that, that's, that, that's, that's intrinsically more interesting than they're already at odds. And this is another thing for them to be at odds about. Yeah. Tom, it could be the central conflict between the two of them, if there's going to be another. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. 
Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away. And I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Uh, so Varus reports, we, we go over to Marine. Varus was reporting that Slaver's Bay has returned to the Slavers, all but Marine. That's not good. Uh, and Marine's kind of in the process. Marine's uh, not Marine's up and very much up in the air. Yeah. Uh, thanks to his knowledge of history, Tyrion realizes that the dragons need to be released so they can eat and they can grow. So he goes down to the catacombs and he releases them. The line, I drink and I know things. Yeah. Pretty that, great. That's good. And, and the look on his face. Uh, so... I feel like Varys in this scene. The cock jokes are getting a little old. We have some feedback about that. You're not alone. Like I don't, I don't like it because it it's seems unprovoked. Unnecess- it it's- seems unnecessary. Like, like if 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 Varys was giving it back to him, and he, they 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 did hang the barest of lampshade over it when Tyrion's like, "Well, you're thinking them, right?" But to me, this was like a reaction to look how much people like the Tyrion and Varys roadshow. Yeah, they were kind of giving each other shit, but they were. They were obviously, for good reason, antagonistic toward each other. Sure. Tyrion didn't want any of this shit. He was yeah. being drugged across the world. Uh, and they're both in sharp. In a fucking and, box. And they both have, like, an acid tongue, and it's it's fun to see. But you've got to do something besides you're short and you've got no cock and balls. Right. I, it's it's just old hat at this point, and it's yeah. not interesting, and it's not that funny. That's kind of uh, Littlefinger's lane. I mean, you don't want to think—you don't want to associate Tyrion with Littlefinger. Other than sure. maybe cunning and intelligence, you don't want to be like, oh, he's just a a, a douche. Yeah, yeah, I I do like that Grey Worm is standing there. They they add a little layer they to do, it. They do that that helps too because you know Grey Worm can mop the floor with him, right? Like even if he was a a manful grown quote unquote. Uh-huh. Um, so that that took a little bit that added a little bit of, but no, I'm. I'm hoping that they have other things for them to do, which, yeah. you know, Tyrion's scene with the dragon was fucking amazing. It was real good, yeah. And, you know, I think we talked about most of the... Uh, 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 did you actually allude, did you need to describe the scene where he sets the dragons for you? No, he, he just goes down there and releases them. Okay. You know, he talks to him, he pets him. And I'm, I'm... I'm So I'm comparing the execution of this kind of pivotal emotional moment with dragons versus Danny riding off on rubber Drogon and how zero chemistry she had huh. with her non-real actor and how Peter Dinklage is just crushing this connection yeah. he has with these these dragons, uh, which 
I I just thought it was because I, I the first time I just watched it as like a genuine performance, like oh these are real dragons and this is a real dwarf and he's going up and he's telling them these bedtime stories and they know he's his friend. The second time I'm like that's hard to do. There's not another goddamn thing in that room. He's sitting in like a box with like some dude with a green sock on his hand doing yeah. a sock puppet thing, uh, and he's telling this heartfelt story and getting tears in his eyes. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It is. Uh, I mean, it's you know Peter Dinklage. Yeah, not nothing bad you can say about that guy. And he's, he's being incredible. honest. Like I feel like he's the type of kid that did dream about having a pet dragon, and then you know being completely crushed. Like that's my one dream that you know I wanted for myself, and now all these years later, crossing this sea and being banished, you know, cut off from his family and being a kinslayer, and now they are here and they're real. I, that it's a it's a great moment, and the dragons. Yeah looked really when they come out and you um this is you know that's why i'm glad i watched uh in a room that's got really good lighting with a really nice tv but the way that they slowly kind of melted out of the darkness and you can see their Mm -hmm. eyes flickering and they got the fires kind of smoldering in their throats and there's so much shit going on their nostrils are flaring and their scales are flexing it's 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 big budget stuff man oh yeah no rubber no rubber drogon here no, it looks great. And, you know, shadows hide a lot of flaws, so it's probably easier to do that stuff. But Than, than broad daylight, yeah. But they nailed it. But I also think that that, that he had something that uh, uh, Amelia Clark didn't. I mean, the guy's been acting for a long... He's he's a great actor. He really is. I mean, and not to disparage Amelia Clark, she's good. Yeah. But come on, it's Peter Dinklage is amazing. And I mean... I, I, has he had more experience dealing with CGI stuff too? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What he is, dealt with Hulk Hogan. I know, I know that, that he much. was in some of those um uh shit, CS Lewis stuff, The Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. I know he played was a, he? A, a character or two in there. So maybe it's just I imagine that that's just a hard thing to do like getting your sight lines and um yeah, something that C, C, uh that uh shit what's her name uh, Ray Seahorn was talking about in Better Call Saul because she had a lot of solo scenes where it's just her right and talking about oh, that's a technique you have to learn to like treat the camera as a person that you're like like the, the your scene partner and I oh. wonder if that's a skill that you have to have a couple repetitions with before you kind of get it because oh I'm sure you know it's like Natalie Portman didn't really pull it off in. <laughs> Did anyone? It's Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, some did better than others. Right. Like Ewan, I think, did the best. But, uh, yeah, just the contrast between these dragons and that dragon scene couldn't be couldn't be starker. You do... I like how he, he talks about the history of these dragons and how mm-hmm. Targaryens knew how to keep dragons. And, or Well, and in the beginning they did, uh, and eventually that knowledge it's was... Kind of a lost art. Either lost or they didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, and so they, they kept the dragons cooped up. They gradually got smaller and smaller... Uh, and yeah, the, the yard you need to keep a dragon. Like you think horses are tough to keep, yeah, and expensive. Dragons well, are way worse. I think they mentioned this in the show, but it's definitely a book thing that they had like a Thunderdome. They had this giant apiary, uh, or ap- apiary, apiary, yeah, um, where they kept the dragons as giant stone dome. Um, huh. so they tried, but still, like, like a... you know, he's talking about these dragons ranging for hundred, and that makes perfect sense. You essentially have a flying dinosaur. It's going to need a correspondingly large area to feed off of, or it's not going and, and to kind yeah. of flex its muscles, or it's going to get stunted. Yeah. So no, it, yeah, it's, it's it's great. It's it's practical application of history. Yep, and that's uh, that's it's almost like the, the Targaryens eventually were making bonsai dragons. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> you know, these things are supposed to be big, but we're carefully keeping it small and, and, and dwarfed. Uh, so Arya is begging in the streets, and she once again gets brutally beaten by the faceless girl. Afterward, Jacken approaches her and offers to take her in, to feed her, to restore her sight if she says her name. Yeah. She refuses and passes this honestly pretty simple, pretty easy test. Uh, pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. She follows him back to the, the temple or whatever this place is called. Hall, not the Hall of Faces. That's like the inner. Uh, the chamber. House of Black and White is House of what Black the and White. temple's called. Yeah, right. Uh, they move real fast on this plot. I expected more torture, more beatings. But you know what? More tests. Did, yes, you expected it, but did you need to see it? Do you really want this to go on for three episodes of the same kind of types of tests, or do you want to? see... Not particularly. I, I mean, they're kind of stuck here between. Yeah. Uh, well, do we put the pedal to the metal, even though it might be a little bit rough because it might be unsatisfying, just so you can get to the real, like, you know, skimp on the hors d'oeuvres so you can get to the main dish. I kind of forgive them more when they're doing stuff like this. Yeah. Like, okay. That's fair. You know, we know that some some uh, a larger period of time is passing than what we're expected to, and maybe Arya looks a little bit more beat up than she did last, so we can kind of extrapolate that this has been going on for some time. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, the beatings are brutal. Oh yeah. Just apt. I mean, you're losing teeth if you're yeah. anything but you know Maisie. If, if Maisie Williams, anything but a TV character. Sure. Yeah. You're you're getting some some real trauma inflicted on you. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this scene. There's not a ton. Not a lot. It's just like exclamation point for the weeks ahead. Okay. Let's move on to Ramsey because there's plenty to say about this scene. Uh, Ramsey reports back to Roos about this failed attempt to capture Sansa. Uh, he suggests that they chase her up to Castle Black and kill Jon Snow in the process. Roose says, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, like, the the only place in the whole Seven Kingdoms that gives a shit about the Night's Watch is the fucking North. <laughs> right. And you're going to go kill this institution they're all justifiably proud of? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yep. Uh, and then he learns that his wife has given birth to a boy, which causes Ramsay to kill him and then feed Lady Bolton and his brother to the dogs. In some pretty horrifying scenes. Uh, so this, well, let me save that for later. Uh, I like the line from Roos, if you acquire a reputation as a mad dog, you'll be treated as a mad dog. Yeah. And something about being put down. Um, that, to me, is kind of foreshadowing for Ramsey's fate. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think Ramsey is smart enough to avoid that. And you know that's the Roos has been trying to uh, give him this wisdom the 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 whole time that we've known them together. Like, look, Ramsey, what you want is a quiet land or a peaceful land and a quiet people, right? And Ramsey at every turn is like, you know what, Dad, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. And so you know we got more of this in the feedback, but I want to touch on a little bit. I didn't think it is a plot error that Ramsey, I'm sorry, Roos, that Roos let Ramsey in enough to stab him because i just think that roos never considered he would do something this stupid like right you're a wayward boy but look i've legitimized you i'm actively trying to train you mm-hmm. now i mean he went too far in the the probably playing the psychological games with about like oh well it's a good thing i have a you know replacement ramsey coming up um right. but but i don't feel like he ever entered in his imagination that his son would do this because it's so self-evidently stupid and like yeah. everyone in the audience is like well fucking ramsey's dead now right because he's going to do something right. really stupid that we know as show watchers is going to not go the way he wants it to go but like you're saying it's not 
I don't know. It makes perfect sense because Ramsey is stupid. I yeah. mean, Ramsey is blinded by his own personality flaws. And the way they filmed it, I thought was brilliant because on the first watch, I don't know about you, but I, for a split second, I couldn't have told you who stabbed who. Okay. Because the way they All they right. did the violent thing and then they spun the camera, like I was uh-huh. thinking that maybe you know Roos did a, a Rob Bolton to Ramsey, right? And you know the Lannisters send their regards, but no, it, w- it went the other way. Yeah. Uh, and they both had reason to do it, right? I mean, now that he's got an heir, he doesn't need Ramsey. He might want to just get Ramsey out of the picture. So Take the big out. question is, you know, so do you do you understand this uh, whole thing with the car Starks? Did you like they had the previously on and all that? But yeah, it was the red wedding and, and the, the cause of the red wedding. Uh, it was one of the betraying. Well, okay, yeah. fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't remember the guy's name, but it was this guy's father who yeah, was killed, who, who, who killed the, the Lannister cousins. That yeah. That that Rob, you know, as a, and directed disobeyed Rob's orders, so Rob had to execute him. And now this house, right? I got they, enough to yeah to get what they were getting at. But the thing that I thought was interesting as a show as a show watcher and a book reader is he throws in the Umbers, especially as like allies that they can count on when. Like, you know, the great John Umber was one of Rob's staunchest allies. I mean, he was initially skeptical, but once his direwolf bit his fingers off, he's like, fuck this. Yeah. Uh, King in the North. I think he's really counting his Umbers before they've crawled off a of bear island and done whatever they're going. he expects them to do. And also, that's also right. where, where Bran sent Rickon. Is it? Yeah, he sent the, okay. because that's the, the most trusted of the Stark Spannermen. Okay. So it, hmm. this seems self-evident to me that Ramsey is going to – is way over his head. Like you can't fucking – Completely. You can't torture and flay your way to to people's hearts and minds. No. Not I, when the Starks are so beloved and also a fucking institution. Yeah. They've hmm. ruled this land for thousands of years. Yeah. And there's still a bunch of them floating around. They think like John's the last one. But that's like it sounds his last one. If you got like, a really popular leader and yeah. you then murder them and murder all their family and degrade them, that you know the people. It's like any one of those acts are intolerable. Taken together, it's like there's no way you can count on these people's loyalty. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings me back to the question I think I asked last week about you know how loyal the people really are to the throne or to a particular lord. Well, and remember I guess, what the old lady said last episode or last season to Sansa too. The North remembers. Right. Like, right, so still I, that's what deep. that's what I mean. Like the show is telling me a lot more about the loyalty of the North to the Starks than the loyalty to the Crown, I guess. But like, the Car Starks are a, a wild card because that was the majority of the, I guess, the mounted strength of the North, the cavalry uh, that you need to, to win wars. And it does seem like maybe this young Car Stark is bitter enough about the Starks uh, that maybe he would throw his weight behind Ramsay. Well, the stupidest I, thing about it is Ramsay shows himself to be completely dishonest and the worst kind of human being. I mean, in this scene, he murders his father right in front of this man. But I think that I my my thought, the way that guy says, we need new blood in the North, I feel like that him and Ramsey had worked this out and they were just like, hey, uh, fat, fat lady Walda f- uh, flops out a son, we're going to do this. If not, you know, the old man still has use as a figurehead and whatnot. But, but I feel get, like they, 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 they seem like they were conspiring together. That's I don't have any insider info. That's just my read of the situation. Right. And I, I think we've talked about this before. But, I mean, that's a thing. Like, organized crime. Like, all of this is based on loyalty. And when you show yourself to not be loyal to, to anyone, I mean, 
whoever. Like clearly, Roose Roos gets murdered in the scene. He Ramsey is not loyal to Roose. So, how far can you trust someone's loyalty when they've shown themselves to be backstabbing? And- yeah, but that's the thing with these these criminal elements, man. Like I've watched enough of this to know that. Yeah, that is the downfall of them, but they still continue to do it. Like well, the, this is why I like the game that Littlefinger plays, because he never relies on yes. anyone's loyalty to him. No. He relies on their ability to do the thing they said they were going to do in the moment. Well, he never needs them to follow up with right. some extreme loyalty to you're him. Right. You're right. And that's I think that's that's the difference between a man that was brought up with nothing. Right. That's a self-made man versus a, man, a Ramsey who... Was was really had probably less than Littlefinger as far as a name, but he he just took it for granted he was going to get it all. Yeah, like he yeah. had this entitlement. Um, he expects loyalty from his subjects, and yeah. so he relies on that idea. And the things like you know, I'm, I'm sure Roos has flayed his share, fair share of men and women and children because you know he's a Bolton after all. But he definitely has studied. You know, his Machiavelli, he's definitely studied his way to run the state, and he's got a lot of good ideas. So, yeah, um, Ramsey has just studied the, the, the knives and the tortures and the, the the dogs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this is a hobby to him. He plays that and he thinks it's oh, so easy. Yeah. And then at the end, I, I like this line where, uh, you know, he's he's about to have his brother and her mother or his mother eaten by the dogs and he says i am lord bolton yeah. very intimidating line and it also echoes later on in the episode where we see the guy on the bridge up at uh the no. iron island or that guy was a lot of things he's the guy i am the drowned guy sure, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, they're, they're playing with a lot of those themes smashed heads yeah i am the etc a lot of echoes sure yeah uh it's an interesting it's a lyrical storytelling technique um i also man uh, my i hate when they put babies in danger and from the time that he kills Roos, I'm like, oh, God, he's going to grab that baby and he's going to throw it in the brazier. Uh, he's going to bash it against, like, he's going to say, go long and throw. I mean, I was just. Any the, number of ways. And then when they went to the kennels, I'm like, oh, fuck. How yeah. how bad is this going to get? Mercifully, I mean, as tasteful as you can murder a, ch- a mother with her newborn child. Yeah, they don't show the any Double D's did that, but I know there's a lot of people who are like, enough. I was I had my yeah. fill of Ramsey in season three. Ramsey so. almost said enough. Like, did you see the look on his face where he's kind of like, Ugh, okay, no, I want to watch this. Uh, did he, he got a little disturbed by it and then was like, no, I'm Ramsey Bolton. I was wondering because when he's holding his brother and smiling, like I that guy is just a dyed in the wool psychopath. Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't think it was he felt any guilt. I think it was. Yeah, this is a grisly scene. <laughs> Like, oh, I've oh, seen yeah. grisly scenes, but dogs ripping people yeah, to newborn, pieces like, is and pretty it, grisly. And it's, my, and it's actually my blood. This is like a new kind of thrill for me. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot going on there. There was something, just a brief hint on his face. A lot going on there, and I don't want to know any more about mm. it. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Let's go to Brienne. That's that's nice and peaceful. Yeah, Brienne and Sansa are catching up. She, they talk about, you know, Brienne says, "I saw Arya." Sansa says, "I don't want to talk about what happened at Winterfell." And then Theon tells Sansa that he's going home. And they, they kind of have a moment together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to say about this scene? There's some stuff I want to talk about in the feedback section because I don't want to step on our listeners' toes. But um, okay. I thought it was great, this, this nice little moment where Sansa had a fond remembrance of Arya because they yeah. kind of hated each other the way sisters do when they're growing up. But, like, you know, the whole she wasn't exactly dressed like a lady. She um, wouldn't be, Yeah. How Theon, I, so I misread and misunderstood him with the first watch. He says, I thought he said, I want to make it up to the Starks. He says, I can never mm. make it up. I just want to go home. And I yeah. I would have taken you to Castle Black, but now we've got this 
this badass woman who's way better than 10 of me, so I, I just yeah. want to go home. Says I would have died trying. Yeah. Which is probably which right. Probably, that's exactly <laughs> what would have happened. You're no, you're no hound. Uh, but no, I, it's it's a great scene. I still wonder what is going on with Brienne and Sansa. I mean, it seems like they're going to go to the north and um, to, and to the Castle Black, and there's this really satisfying fantasy in my head that she's going to tell John everything that's happened, and John's is going to get more and more pissed, and Ramsay's going to go up there half-cocked, uh, and John's gonna f- just shove Longclaw all the way up his ass, all the way up his ass, out his mouth, and out his mouth, yeah. Uh, mm. And that scene, like, but this, damn it, is Game of Thrones. The last, the last few times I've felt that Ned got beheaded, Rob got betrayed, like, right? It's, nothing good comes of it. So I'm, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic that how can they fuck this up? How can this be like, you know, what is Martin? You know, it's like I keep asking myself, what is Martin playing at? What kind of story? If it's going to have a happy ending, eventually the worm's got to turn for some of these fuckers. And right. It should start this season with the Boltons. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, so I think it's going to get easier and easier for Littlefinger to to waltz his way into Winterfell. Hmm. Uh, because, you know, Ramsey's not going to exactly lead these troops in the best way possible. What does Sansa say to him when he comes back, though? Because, like, I don't know. She's going to be pissed. I mean, she should be. I mean, I guess he could say, well, I didn't know he was going to raid you. Know. Well, come but on. You have like, an idea, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's a big question mark, What where they're going with this. But yeah. it seems But I think as far like as militarily. Yeah. Like, you know, whether they meet up or not, uh, I think, you know, ran, there, there are a couple of armies left yeah. um, up there. Stannis is gone. But I don't know. Littlefinger might be able to do what he told Cersei and just kind of mop up the alternate path is perhaps because they talked about Arya and how she's kind of up in the air is it could be that uh sansa wants to commission brienne to go find her sister okay yeah uh she gets up to castle black and just chills with the wild yeah, it's like well i'm snow my and... jaw got john snow and thousands of wilding warriors to protect me now yeah and this giant wall uh and my brother's an undead invincible god now so go find my sister and that would be kind of an interesting thing to maybe see brienne cross the sea yeah um where would that all go? I don't know. We'll see. Could be could be fun though. So we go over to what the Iron Isle? Is that the name of this place? Yes, the Iron Islands. Iron Islands. Balon and Yara are arguing about whether they can fight this war. Balon wants to. She doesn't. Balon walks the ricketyest of bridges in a storm, where a hooded figure reveals himself to be both Balon's brother and "quote unquote" the drowned god. Now, I think he's more of like a he's the storm, Dread he's the Pirate Robert sort of thing. I think he's everything. He's all things to all people. I, I'm <laughs> right. the gods. I'm the storm. I'm this rickety bridge. I'm you, brother. Oh, jeez. Are you? <laughs> ah, and then he throws himself off. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, yeah, he throws Balon off the, the side of the bridge to his death. Pretty grisly backstory for this guy. Lost his mind during a storm. His crew had to time through the mast to keep him from jumping overboard. Yep. And he and repaid then... their loyalty by cutting out their tongues. Right. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> for a backstory it is i'm it not is. saying no, I, I, I condone the cutting of tongues out of people i'm just saying that if you want a grizzled pirate king that's a cool backstory sure no i i agree uh i i'm gonna take it at face value given yeah. the dialogue in this episode in this scene here mm-hmm. that this is actually balon's brother but balon didn't dispute it right so and essentially you guys know more than the book readers because that's always and that's a popular theory that uh, this brother is the one that murders is is, is his brother oh, uh, right. balon but it's um it's left as a mystery in the books that's a fact now yeah it's now a fact in the show anyway yeah 
what is it, what is the drowned god all about? Is that is that one of the seven? Is that one of the old no, gods? No, no, no. Is that one of the new? It's is a different. A, it's a different theology. Completely different. It's just yeah. the. The gray joy. I thing. mean, the uh, faceless men would say he's just another aspect of the god sure. of death. But, They'd say uh, that about and, all. And he's one of the deathier of the gods. Well, he's the drowned god. Tell. So sure. And it's kind of a shitty god. Do I want a god that's mortal that can be killed? Yeah, their way of baptism. They do this. I I don't think they've showed this in this show. But the uh, if you want to be baptized in the religion, they drown you for real, and then bring you back with a primitive form of CPR, and then they do what does dead man ever die? And then you're you're in the club. Wow. Okay, that's kind of cool. Uh, it is. I would never go through that, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, no kidding. For a, for a fictional world. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, do we want to go to Balon's funeral? Talk about that? Sure, sure. Or is there more on this bridge? I don't think so. Okay, we go to his funeral. Yara says, I'm... Oh, whoa, the one the one land he's got where he's like, you can mock our god at without my help. He's like, I, you know, he said, I'm the drowned god. He mentions, like, from Old Town to Karth, when men see my sails, they pray. That's a right. fucking cool line. It is. That's I'm the good... most godly men of all. I'm the most godly of men. <laughs> I inspire so much devotion. Uh, Balon's funeral. Yara says, "I'm going to find out who did this and feed them alive to the sharks." Then some old guy harshes her buzz by telling her she can't swear on a throne that isn't hers, and mentions something about a king's moot and maybe you can be the first woman to sit on the throne. Can you tell us, should you tell us more about this King's Moot? Because I know you know a little bit more about it. Uh, yeah, this is one, th- this this plot line is still, uh, and, and that, it, it you, kind of blows. Do you want to say it, what a King's Moot is? So it's it's just what it's they imply it's like, it. you know, like an int moot in Lord of the Ring was when all the ints get together to decide what to do about something. Is that what it's called? A King's Moot is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's probably some old English derivation. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the assist there. <laughs> Uh, and somebody needs to cut my tongue out. I need like to go full Stephen Hawking's on this shit. <laughs> uh, but no, it's like where the Iron Islanders get together and elect, uh, essentially decide who they want their new leader to be. It's surprisingly okay. democratic. Yeah, they they do. You know, they allude to it here, but I just wanted to make it more concrete for people. Yeah, she's wanting to be the first female king. Yeah, uh, chance that Which... Hillary Clinton adopts the "What is dead may never die." Right. A rallying cry for this year. Yep, I think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. It's like a, the. So this the this guy's their high priest. His name's Aaron Dampair in the books, and that I just damp wanna, air, damp hair, damp hair. Yeah, that's even stupider. Well, he's always he's he's really devoted to the drowned god man. He's Does drowning he, guys. Is he one of those like surfer guys who lives on the beach? Is that what's totally, happening? Totally, like totally. way too old to be surfing. Yeah, can barely do any tricks anymore. He sells. He he makes his living by selling <laughs> seashell necklaces and waxing boards for yep, people. Yep. Oh, the worst. Yep. He's that kind of guy. Uh, smoking <laughs> seaweed. <laughs> Um, no, but, uh, yeah, he's going to officiate this thing and I'm kind of curious to see how, uh, how, how they, they actually, um, express this, uh, these, these Iron Islander politics in an entertaining way on the show. Huh. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention about this scene is the kelp mask, which I thought, mm. you know, every, every nation, every house seems to have their own rituals Sure. when it comes to death. And I thought, you know. Making sure they were as moisturized as possible. Yeah, yeah. It's nice when you send them out. Sure, sure. Plus uh, the sun will dry it out and have kale chips <laughs> to eat in the afterlife. That's right. the central piece of the uh, mythology and the re- <laughs> religion. Uh, final scene. Davos goes to Melisandre to ask if she can bring John back to life. She says no, but he eventually convinces her to at least give it a shot. 
She tries, it doesn't seem to work until everyone leaves the room and then boom, John wakes up and the nation cheered. The world cheered, really, I think. Yeah, I don't know. This is a weird religious uh, ceremony. I mean, it's almost like you're going to a sports clip and getting the uh, triple MVP treatment. You know, you're getting a little trim, is, yeah. a little the legendary hot towel, uh, and uh, you know, get get your hair washed. Like, and... is is beard hair and chest hair, like are the hairs substantially different? No, I mean... no one Melisandre, I was I was expecting her to go for the pubes. Yeah, I was too. Like, uh, if it wasn't for the iron uh, clad no nudity clause in Kit Harrington's contract. Might have, might yeah. have. They could have uh, silhouetted his dong at least. <laughs> they could have done Come all on. kinds of things with his dong, right? They the prosthetic it up. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. did you doubt? So did you doubt this was going to work? I started to. I started to I at the very too. end. I was like, like, it would be so cool if this just didn't fucking. Work. I know that's like I like I. This could just fizzle. Yeah. Um, but then when the last person left and and they I, kept showing him and they kept they, showing Ghost and they kept showing like for me, I thought this was really fucking clever because if you're like, did John Worgen Ghost? There's you could read that in that. If you're yep. like, well, you need King. I mean, not for nothing. Shireen Stannis Baratheon. Um, uh, Roose Bolton. There's lots of high class noble people that have died in the last few episodes that you could have, you know, surmised that fueled her blood magic. Right. Uh, you know, Alistair Thorne. And, well, he didn't die, but um, uh, I, I just think it's interesting. There's just you could about any theory that you would care to have for how John was going to come back to life. You mm-hmm. could read into this scene. Yeah. And and that's not a coincidence, I don't think. I think that they probably spent a lot of time on how to do this, and 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 yeah. I thought you know Seppenwall I noticed was really down on. He's like, oh, this is stupid. Everybody knew it was coming, and I was I found it tedious. And I'm like, I don't know, man, because I didn't. Uh, I I've been waiting for five five years to see if this was going to be true, and also I thought that they built some serious suspense. Like I was right on the like shit, shit. Well, this is cool. John's actually dead. This yeah. is. And then he came back. I'm like, fuck no, fuck no. John's back. <laughs> the one thing I didn't want them to do is show him as dead for the until the entirety of this episode, and then come back yes. next episode and, and I, have him wake up. When they kept on lingering, kept on lingering, I I was like, oh god, if this fades to black, it's going to be another fucking meltdown thread yep. on all the yep. Reddit's and. No, nope, the only meltdown thread in the, this week was on uh, slash r slash dreadfort. <laughs> Oh, which is a, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a it's a parody kind of circle jerk. Uh, everyone pretends to be Bolton loyalists, loyalists, and it, even then right. they were having a lot of fun uh, <laughs> talking about how their their lord is dead. He's been he's been poisoned by the trees, the, the traitors, and <laughs> all hail Lord Ramsay. Wow. All right. Yeah. There's a there's a large and vast community that I do not. There are crazy people understand on the internet yet. and people having fun being with. Well, it. yeah, I'm not even saying crazy. I'm just saying. Well, I will. Stuff that I, I'm unfamiliar with. Aaron has just been uh, un- uh, banned from the Dreadfort. So uh, this is awesome. I mean, yeah. I can't wait. Like, It's kind of cool that everybody left the room as well, yeah. because now nobody knows yet, and John's going to wake up, and what's he going to do? Is he going to walk outside and see who's mm-hmm. see what's up? Uh, yeah. Is he going to scare the shit out of everyone Sure, I when think, he walks out of that room? I think all those things are going to happen. Yeah. I also thought it was key how Melisandre, that, that pathetic almost please... Where she's just like, can yeah. I, please, can I just, you know, I, I thought that was kind of key because remember when, you know, Thoris was talking to her, he's saying that how he kind of gave it up and he was just kind of rotely saying these prayers. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I, yeah, and you just big questions about what is the nature of an undead Jon Snow. Uh, you know, there's some speculation that when he wakes up, he's going to have piercing blue eyes, which would have been... Doesn't uh, look like he did, yeah? No, he did not. He had... Uh, it seems like he's just John. It doesn't... He doesn't seem very whitey at all. Yeah. Other than his innate Caucasianness. Well, yeah, he's looking... He's definitely looking, like, paler sure. than usual. He's just... Just freshly undead. Yeah. Give him some time to get some color back in his skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I do have the English translation of the the prayer... Oh, interesting. Do you want that? Because I was, uh, I was. There was a thread on Reddit where some Dutchmen were talking about how uh, Karis von Houten or whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were talking about how that when she was speaking this apparently old Valerian that she was speaking with a very strong Dutch accent. Which what the oh, hell really? does that mean? <laughs> right. Like, would I have a hill? Jack? How do you know that's yeah. not Valerian? But I mean, I, I guess I can see that because, like, you know, when people sometimes if you have an accent, they sing. It changes it. So, oh yeah. Sure. Um, but they're, they're talking about she had a, a, a strong Dutch accent. What what was she saying? Uh, so this is courtesy of, I, I want to give credit because this is cool, uh, to Pietsu2 on Reddit. Uh, he, he did an imager gallery that says uh, what this prayer says, and it's as follows. We ask the Lord to show his light and lead his soul from darkness. We ask the Lord to share his fire and reignite the candle that has gone out. Light from darkness, fire from ashes, life from death. And she repeats those final three lines. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it seems like a pretty standard prayer, you mm-hmm. know, just appealing to the gods to, to do their thing. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was cool to know what that actually said. I wonder if they mentioned, is that some Thoros mentioned either in the books or to show that that was the actual funerary prayer that they gave? I don't know. Or is she just getting up there and making stuff You're up? winging it, yeah. Right. Like, it It was very curious to me, like, how, where would you even... I get it, like, if someone comes to you and says, build a car. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I've got an idea of what it might take to build a car. I could I could start in on that process. But with magic... That's the thing, yeah. Where do you even start? I, I feel like she's going through her old bag of tricks, right? It's like, well, I'll get some hair from, from here, I'll get some hair from and there, it's like, even I'll the hands on, like, I don't think that, like, that might have just been her showmanship. Right. Like, that, that she's like, well, I don't know, you know, I... I'll say some words yeah. that I've used in other prayers that might help yeah i don't know but apparently it did the trick yeah uh i i i liked it and i liked how everyone yeah. kind of slowly gave up all but ghost and there again you know we can we can read uh, some <laughs> ghost that. like i want a gif of ghost opening his eyes because he's like what the fuck yeah. like he hears john start i was more to like oh hey bro welcome back yeah they're huge huh I, I took it more of like oh he's like kind of like what a dog looks like when uh, someone they've been waiting to come home is like yeah. they can hear the, the car yeah. coming down the street. For uh, sure, that's that, the look. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. I was happy with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And God damn it, this is the first time in a long time where I instantly like, oh Jesus, I would give a lot of money to watch episode three right now. Yeah, like I've been amped up for some episodes, but like I just the fact that you have to wait. Even now, five more days to get to the next episode is painful. Because that's the thing, as a book reader, it's the joy has been kind of, you know, watching every people's reactions and, and seeing what you've sure. already known is going to happen come to life. And, and But now it's like, I am just like, you know, if someone took the book away from me at this point in it, I would fight them for it. 
<laughs> I would be angry. Right. And that's what I feel like's happened. Like, I, I don't read books casually, man. I fucking, six in the morning, the sun's coming up, the cocks are crowing. Oh, God, I can't believe I stayed up all night to finish this book. So it's really painful. Really painful. Welcome and to my it's world. Not, I, 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 I know I've, I saw some very small, seems like, and downvoted people saying that it's a bittersweet experience to know that they're getting these answers from the show and not the books, but I haven't really, like, I'm just excited. I guess I like the story more than I'm personally faithful to George Martin. Um, right. And I right. want to know more about the story. And I will definitely read the books when they when and if they get out. Yeah. But I'm, I'm actually really glad that I'll get the goddamn answers. Sure. Regardless of whether Martin decides to deliver or not, or is able to. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I can I can understand that. Sentiment. I understand that sentiment, yeah. but I'm I can't believe that there hasn't been more. Because usually the way Reddit works is you got the highest vote comment, which is kind of like the consensus, or and a then joke. the second or the circle jerk, yeah. and the second highest rated comment is the respected contrarian opinion. Okay, and I was expecting like the second highest rated se- series of comments to be like, "Yeah, this is a great episode, but boy, it sure is bittersweet that we're not reading it instead of seeing it." Yeah, that was like I had to really scroll down to get to that. And was that, that on was, the ice and fire? That was on the ice of. I mean, the wow. Game of Thrones. Like I, it was it was harder because that's a show first thread, right? Or show first forum. That's it, where I go when I'm reading. I sure, probably should. And I'm not go trying to, to provoke a bunch of Martin loyalists to be like, you know, uh, the book readers remember. I'm just saying that like this yeah. seems like a fact that. The vast majority of the audience is is just giddy to get more story. Yeah, I after mean, waiting when, so long when the show is this good, when you don't have Dorn in the mix, <laughs> uh, it's hard to argue. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a a weird advertisement. Um, a couple years back, I think it was whenever Joffrey died, uh, Jim yeah. got the wild hair to commission a pair of like those novelty sunglasses that make it looks like you're wearing those stones on your eyes. <laughs> right. And we had the idea that like, okay, well, maybe people would uh, buy them for cosplay or Halloween purposes. And then, you know, in typical bald move fashion uh, took us a while to execute. And by the time we got the product, the season was over. They've mm-hmm. been sitting on our shelf here in the office for a while, but these stones on the eyes keep coming back, and now you could you could potentially cosplay as a whole crew of dead Lannisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if anybody's interested in them. We've got a set quantity. If we sell out, we could make more easily. So if this like really blows up, we're, we'll be there for you. The key touch, the touch that I like the most, is the gold rim. they're, yeah. all, they're all gold glasses. So sure. you got the Lannister theme sure, sure. going. Uh, so, so not only are they gold rimmed, but they're like they're, they're silk screened, but you can see through them. Right. So, like you know, it looks like you got the stones on your eyes, but you can still see around and move around. It's it's not they're not opaque. If you go to baldmove.com/shop and click on the merch category, you should see the glasses. They're hard to miss, and you'll see a picture of Jim modeling them. Again, there's a limited quantity, but if we sell out. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll if, if this turns out to be a popular thing and we sell out quickly, um, we'll probably be back next week uh, letting people know that we've got more and that uh, we can make as many as you need. But I thought it'd be a cool idea that you could uh, go, uh, you could have a family, you could have uh, Tywin and Marcella right. and Joffrey at this point. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You could cosplay as that, or you could go as for for Halloween. It might be a, a cool costume idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it keeps coming back, and we've got them in stock. So what the hell. Uh, baldmove.com slash shop uh, while you're there you can check out the, the club pricing because uh, it's all right there in our shop as well uh, for as little as a buck a month you can get all of our fabulous bonus content and ad free podcast 
VIP access to the forums, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, or just rock some weird uh, dead Joffrey, dead Marcella, probably soon dead Tommen. How many how many dead Lannisters can we get? Maybe you could you could have a like few a more. yeah yeah you could get uh, you know you could have mom dad and all the kids and grandpa too. They're future proof. Yeah, they're they're guaranteed to be more dead Lannisters at some point. And then like you know just the, 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 I I feel like uh, two seasons ago it might have been weird, but now it's like it's a thing. So again, yeah. I don't expect us to sell one of these. <laughs> right, this is an experiment. Uh, check it out. If, if it shows that they're sold out, then hot damn, we've got something, and we'll make more. Uh, mm-hmm. That's it. That's the weird bald move ad of the week. So, shall we get the feedback? Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com or on forums, forums.baldmove.com, which is just sh- almost too much. It's it's too much for me to keep up, keep up with. Uh, but I'm trying to do my best here. Corey P. has the burning question that's been on my mind. Where's Braun? Did they just drop him off somewhere? What do you think his next move will be? Surely the show won't just forget about him. There you go. That solves the uh, time crisis that everybody's got with... The time crisis? Really? <laughs> with the Sand Snakes getting back before Jamie. They're going to go to Games Works and get $20 <laughs> on their card and just finally beat that damn game? <laughs> finally, once and for all. <laughs> but then you got the sequels to deal with. Yeah, It's, it's a never-ending sure. cycle. And they come out faster than you can beat them. It's, it's really uh, time crisis. I mean, the low poly count just really takes you out of it now. No, no, no. Everyone is is complaining about, like, the Sand Snakes getting there before him. Well, if he had to stop to drop off Braun, sure. that makes sense, yeah? Yeah. Still Although close, I don't know that he stops to drop off Braun with a dead body on board of his daughter. It seems, because everybody's, you know, the other thing's like, you know, what are the Sand Snakes going to do? I feel like that they established a relationship between Braun and the Bad Pusey for some reason. Yeah. And it seems like their fates are going to be intertwined. So He's going to have to kill her or she's going to have to kill him. Like we haven't seen what's going on little there's a lot of people we haven't really checked in on yet it's and true. I I feel like that, that that's going to be connected. So uh surely to show, I mean, I would be unconscionable if we just never see Braun again. Yeah, I I don't see that happening. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I I don't think that they can it's it's hard to imagine them making the Sand Snakes quote unquote worth it, but I guess if they do something cool with that relationship mm-hmm. uh, and some kind of conflict going forward, that it, maybe maybe maybe. Uh, David H uh, from last week. I'm kind of freaking out about your discussion of Gendry. I know we haven't seen him in se- many seasons, but just thinking about the fact that Tommen is most likely eventually going to die. Wouldn't that leave Gendry as the only person in Westeros with the most legitimate claim to the Iron Throne as Robert's only living child? It'd be pretty epic to have him show up after Tommen dies, arms jacked out of his mind from rowing, ready to assume the throne. I know it's unlikely, but it would make things mildly interesting, at least for an episode. Um, the thing is, is at this point, the most rightful heir is much in the eye of the beholder. Because you could easily right. say that Daenerys right. is the yep. one with the strongest claim. Because... All the whole Baratheon clan is a bunch of usurpers, if you're a Targaryen loyalist. You know? Like, yeah, sure, the Mad King was a bad dude, but that doesn't mean you gotta murder his whole family and dispose the whole... I mean, they'd ruled the kingdom for good or ill for 300 years. Right. So, that's... That's the thing you always gotta keep in your mind, that yes, you have the whole uh, hereditary claims and all that, but at the end of the day, might makes right. Sure. And and then at the end of the, the the beginning of that day, money makes right, and also the people because there's a lot more of them than there are of you. you. You can't just completely leave out the small folks from the discussion. Gendry's going to come back. He's going to try and claim the throne. 
Uh, he's going to meet up with the sparrows and him. He's going to go up to Lancel. He's going to say, do you even row, bro? Do you even <laughs> row? You sure you're jacked, but do you come on? <laughs> I do like the idea of him just coming back. And his, his arms are like <laughs> right. some kind of uh, like he man kind of he's been just... rowing the seas for years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom G says regarding the sand snakes catching up to Jamie and Marcella, rest in peace. Evidence-based headcanon might say that Jamie stopped somewhere to obtain a casket, as was seen upon their arrival at King's Landing, giving okay. Team Estrogen time to catch up. That's actually a really Drop solid point. Drop off Braun, grab a casket. I don't yeah. think the Lannisters sail forth on covert missions with a giant casket elaborate thing. Why would you? Yeah. So, so he definitely had to stop. And, and, and him being the guy he was with the situation, being guilt-ridden, like he would want to do something. He wouldn't want her just to like sitting netting down in the hold so that no. that is a pretty good pretty good headcanon there tom well done chris from brooklyn says winter are, is coming are the words of the starks but also seem much more literal uh as it was threaded throughout the books so i expected an or i expected an oncoming big change in westerosi weather other than a snowstorm surrounding stannis army there doesn't seem to be any noticeable cold fronts hitting westeros even the wall seems normal cold not extreme what? weather cold do you expect an actual change in the weather as the show and books progress, or was it always more of a metaphor? I thought it had been happening. Uh, I thought the snows, the deep snows they talk about with Stannis coming down with his army yes. was a signifier of the, the cold. And, and then the they melted because of whatever. But yeah, no, that's yeah. definitely... And, and the fact that they've mentioned that in King's Landing, like the crops are starting to fail because winter's coming. and the uh, it, it's It's definitely... Winter is having... A very long, slow, tantric, prolonged <laughs> orgasm because it's taken a while, but it, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Right. Um, uh, D. Redouble says, after or Redouble, uh, after the scene where Sansa helps pod Night Bran, I'm seriously shipping a Sandrick uh, situation pretty hard. The men in her life have been a bit of a nightmare. I think she deserves a nice guy. And I also hear he's great in a sack. Who's with me? I'm not going to stop anybody. Sandrick? What? Sansa Podrick. Oh, Sansa Podrick. I does really? I guess. I you know I'm not gonna. I don't know. I'm to my great shame. I am the biggest soap opera style shipper <laughs> in the world. Like I'm just embracing it because yeah. that's what I do. Apparently, I I I drink and I ship characters on mm-hmm. podcasts. Uh, so I'm not going to judge you, but I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, he is a. Uh, he is some kind of uh, less disreputable offshoot of a Lannister loyalist. Yeah, I mean, I think he's... and she is, you know, the yeah, it's good, good point. She she's the the star, the heir to the Stark everything. Like she could right. be the wardeness of the North. I that's that's a mismatch marriage, but who knows? Um, keep ship, keep shipping on. Uh, in Dietrich says at the end of season four, when Bran is underground, the tree roots guy uh, and the tree roots are really old guys there and says some kind of all knowing stuff. He looks just as old as the non necklace wearing Melisandre. Is there any connection there? Could they be from the same clan? Do they all follow the same God? Are they working together? Your thoughts? <laughs> Fuck if I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there yeah, you, there is some speculation that they are because the other thing is like none of the book readers knew that Melisandre was old as shit, right? But it's been a popular theory, and one of the things that uh, it made it a popular theory is because this 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 Blood Raven character, the Three Eyed Crow, is you know 
from an era of about a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. and that people speculated that there might be some connection there. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you got the old gods versus the newest of gods, the the Lord of the Light. He's the uh, he's the jump, the the upstart uh, uh, figure in Westerosi religion. So hmm. there's not a huge thematic connection there. It's just just purest tinfoil. David W. says, for some reason, I feel like 1-1 is the only giant left. Is that the case? Can he become a White Walker if he is killed? If he can, then why wouldn't the entire undead army attack him? Have a giant walking, stomping zombie would be especially badass. Do you think there are more giants in this universe? Do you have any thoughts just as a show watcher? Yeah, my thought is there were two giants. One of them was killed, and he might be the last. For all they know. I think they mentioned that in the show, like he might be the last. And I mean, I don't think that you could... You know, it's like uh, say that they're extinct because there's so many different classifications of extinct. There's like functionally extinct, extinct in the wild. Right. My thought as a book reader has always been that they are what you would call functionally extinct. Like yeah. they're dwindled to the point that they're just not enough. Kind of like Danny's dragons. Like, you know. Like the gene pool is so small. Yeah, that like, it's not, like you it's got three fizzle. new dragons in the world, but is that going to be enough unless there's a lot more dragons from Stone Eggs waking up? Well, well it depends. I mean. So I don't know how far you want to take this this giant's blood thing with Hodor, but can you get a race of like Nephilim sized people who are like seven foot, nine foot tall? It's kind of like you know, like they they talked about giant. taking the frozen mammoth DNA and inject it into an Asian elephant right. and trying to restart the pot. Like I don't know, I don't know how a that works in this in this land. Yeah, magic based uh, genetics. A giant ain't gonna fuck a human. I can tell you that much. Uh, there's no genetic modification <laughs> I, d- I don't know how that well, no, wait work. if you're with a straight face saying that hodor has some giant's blood in him then you're belying the claim that a giant can't fuck a human well okay so i don't know how it works right like I, i'm not saying I, what i think the giant's blood in hodor is yeah. is a way of saying this is a big dude mm. I, I don't think it's a literal okay. giant's blood i think that's just a colloquialism or whatever uh but if you want to go down that road and say yeah. that Hodor actually has giant's blood, yeah. there must be some kind of method. I don't know what it is. Why don't you it's think that fucking, it, why, and it's why not don't science, you think the giants so. can, can breed with humans? Size? You're, but you're assuming that it's proportionate. Like, humans are actually... You're right. So you're I right. know I a surprising amount. I know a surprising amount about animal genitalia. Uh-huh. Don't ask. But I I've like, seen Silicon like, Valley. For, among I know about uh, it. among the primates, the humans are the kings as dick size. Like gorillas have proportionally tiny penises. Okay, and like right. duck, like a mallard duck has like a fucking sixteen Let's, or sixteen inch long corkscrewing prehensile penis. Like, it's, Let's say it's a mere foot and a half long and a girth of seven inches. What if it's six inches long and it's like a pinky? It's like just like a. I don't know that that's even possible. Maybe they extend that big, like. <laughs> It has some scale, some relevant scale. Okay. Yes, I would imagine. I don't know. I don't want to discuss giant dicks for the entire rest of this episode. But... You know, like gorillas get by with their one and a half inches somehow. Fair Jamie enough. Lannister's got a Fair half enough. inch dick, and he's had three kids. Like, what are you going to do? Gorillas are comparatively tiny to, to giants, <laughs> we'll say. But they're comparatively huge compared to humans. That was my point. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Giant fucking, human fucking... <laughs> Uh, we covered all here. It could at, just uh, be magic, right? This, this, like, this is why you come to Bald Move. You're not going to get gorilla dicks on any other <laughs> podcast. This is also why you unsubscribe from the podcast. Dragon shit and gorilla dicks. That's <laughs> what we're about. That's what we trade in. Uh, Luke N says, as a matter on the matter of Dornish succession, succession, and I'm glad you made this point, Luca, because this is lost 
a lot of times, as we alluded to. I think some people are missing the point. This is a popular takeover. Claims legitimacy and inheritance cease to be relevant when they have ex- just extinguished the ruling house. Hmm. This has happened in the series and in real life history before. Bastards sure. taking over is not uncommon. These bloodline issues become a second thought at best in a popular uprising. This is more like a dictatorship. Alaria is the mastermind of the whole thing, and the Sand Snakes, as Alaria put it in Season 5, have, quote-unquote, the love of the people. Some say we didn't see enough heads-up that the people hate Dorne and want war, but we really did. Literally, the first scene of the Dornish subplot was an argument between Doran and Alaria, in which Alaria pointed out that the whole country wants to go to war for El- Elia and Oberyn, and Doran is impeding it. The scene ends with Alaria threatening that Doran's rule will not be long. Not why I rule, he claims. And how long will that be, she responds. Mm-hmm. Great point. Um, I think that yeah. injects a little bit of, like, this is a rebellion. And, right. this, and, and the fact that the guards let it happen implies that it's a popular one. So no one really gives a shit who should be ruling. Yeah. The Sand Snakes are in control now. Now, this does bring up a cultural and logistical problem. What do you do when presumably thousands of people have the same name as the the queen would? What? Like Sand. Her last name is Sand, right? Because she's a bastard. And so every bastard within... All of the kingdom. We're related, hey! Right, like, I'm a sand, you're yeah, a sand, we're all on. sand. You need a treasurer, you need a... Right, you like... need a lady-in-waiting? Which what? sand inherits the throne? I don't know why the Dornish are all of a sudden speaking with stereotypically Brooklyn Italian <laughs> oh, accents. Of course. But, uh, you know... <laughs> but I, I don't know. That sounds, that sounds interesting. But yeah, he's absolutely right. That yeah. this, is a, this is a takeover, hostile takeover. Uh, JT has a dissenting opinion. Okay, I'm really trying to roll with all this here as the show moves further and further away from the plots of the books, but are you kidding me? You killed Doran? Fine. But you're telling me Ramsay is able to one-up his father? This guy has been a cold, calculating killer his entire life and planned the Red Wedding while being Rob's right-hand man in the show. However, he threatens his son one week, has the boy the next week, and doesn't expect Ramsay to act. Then we get to see the dogs tear a baby apart. Outstanding. We yeah, kind of talked about we this. Um, I don't have much to say other than I think Roos just didn't conceive that Ramsey would do something so blatantly not in his self-interest. Yeah. He kind of overestimated Ramsey's intelligence and reasoning ability. Right. And, and he did that from the very beginning. I mean, he would never have made him a Bolton. And you can see how maybe Roos grew up a lot like Ramsey, and, you know, he had his old man kind of molding him into the person he i mean i this is all shit i'm making up but, people in their backyard yeah i mean people like you have really smart together with it people that fuck up the kids all the time sure uh yeah. they don't often get murdered but you know like that's we don't live in westeros either so i don't have a problem with it i can see why people do yeah but yeah. uh I, it depends on just your opinion of ruse yeah that's a good eye yeah uh, Efren M says, I assume John will be the same Jon Snow we know and love, talking about possible transformation. Could be. Uh, going by our only reference to Sir Beric Dondarrion, even when he said he didn't feel the same after being resurrected, it was still him, you know? Mm-hmm. His memories, his rough personality, etc. He may be more like the person who says, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, meaning he may not be as trusting, he may try to be more aware, be less Ned Stark, if you know what I mean. But that's because he came back from an impossible situation and he thinks he may never do that again. 
not because they've awoken up the dragon or the wolf or anything like that. He may learn more things about himself and what he's capable of and his role in the war against the White Walkers. It also opens up the chance for him to take back Winterfell after Sansa sees him at the wall. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like everyone talks about how much transformation Beric under you know, and his speeches about how he's missing parts of himself, but. He got resurrected a crazy amount of times, like five, six, seven, and he's still yeah. like no one to be like, oh, this is not the Beric Dondarrion I knew, right? So there could be something to what he's saying. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to be diminished. He's just going to feel odd. Like that's that's what I got from Beric. He he just felt a little weird, a little wrong. I mean, there, there is this thing where Unnatural. every time he came back, he felt like he had less and less a connection to his old life. Like, you know, he was, I, I can't remember if this was in okay. the show or passages in the book. I feel like that about myself five years ago. Sure, so like, right? Of course. Yeah, I mean, I've literally had a transformation like that. Like, the guy I was ten years ago is dead. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know. It's it's something that we can all speculate about, and we'll find out in the next week or two, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, Michael A. said, just listen to your initial reaction podcast. I noticed that you guys sort of jumped to the conclusion that when Theon said he was going home, that he was going to the Iron Islands. Initially, I thought the same thing, but upon further reflection and after watching the episode three preview, I'm pretty convinced that Theon is going to return to Winterfell. No, come on. Why would he do this? This episode seemed to make us want to make the jump to mm-hmm. having Theon's uh, follow the uh, having Theon seen following the scene at the Iron Islands. We knew that the Kingsman was going to enter into play, and I think we're all being led to believe that Theon would somehow factor into this based on the conversation that Yara had. However, Theon seemed very resigned to his fate upon leaving Sansa. I think Theon is ultimately playing out a redemption arc that will end in his death. He'll sacrifice his life in order to make up for all the trouble he's caused, which will begin at Winterfell. Mm. Is Theon's home really the Iron Islands? He may have been born there, but Winterfell is his home. He was taken in, treated as a brother to the Stark children, and feels a great deal of guilt for betraying them, just to have his father reject him anyway. They played up his allegiance to the Starks and Sansa for most of last season. We've seen him slowly turn from Reek back to Theon. Hell, even as Reek, his home was Winterfell. So, where is this going? My guess is that Theon returns to Winterfell and offers up some story on how Sansa killed Miranda and kidnapped him. He'll probably be punished in some way, but eventually he'll earn back Ramsay's trust, only to betray him at some pivotal moment and sacrifice his life in the process. Ugh. Uh, no, there's some, don't do it. I, I actually like the idea that when he's referring to Winterfell. I don't know about all... Because I don't... How, how I say no because Ramsay? I don't want him to do this. I don't this want him back in Ramsay's. a terrible move. If he goes back as like an assassin somehow, I just I just don't think Ramsey's gonna buy it. Like, no, no, I, I'm not saying. I'm saying like he goes back, like he knows where Ramsey sleeps. He knows right, his patterns. Right. He knows the patterns of the men. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the, the, he he's, he might be able to sneak in and kill Ramsey. The, if he's he lucky. slept with the dogs, so the dogs might not even like. He, there's a lot of things where he could sneak in and maybe assassinate him. Right, but I don't think he's going back pleading, hey, I got kidnapped, and no, take me back in. I, I can't imagine th- that. Ramsey, you know, surprisingly, I think is too smart for that, and too uh <laughs> Plus, we'd evil. have more, a lot more scenes of him being tortured, and who wants that? But, yeah, yeah. But the I, idea of him going back to Winterfell is kind of a strong one. I still think he's going to, to the Iron Islands. I was 100% sure. Now I'm kind of like 75, 25, because right. I do like that theory, and mm-hmm. um, that would also kind of square his knowing that he needs to do right by the Starks with him just abandoning that quest. And what is he really going to do? 
like we've talked about the fact that he can't father children at this point and right you know that the 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 iron eye like i don't even think uh uh yara at this point wants any truck with him although she did i don't know the stuff she said today was her last episode this episode was more sentimental than i would have suspected after she tried to rescue her brother and it went yeah pear-shaped yeah, uh, and I mean, it depends on what you think of his motivations. Is he going to try... Does he feel like he needs to make this up to the Starks, or does he just want to be safe? And I think if he is done with the torture and wants to be safe, he heads back toward the Greyjoys. Indeed. Uh, next up, we've got um, someone from Texas. My notes just jumped off on me. Uh, there's in full rebellion. Allison. Allison from Texas. Okay, so my question or point of view for discussion is something my husband has pointed out to me. Consider the Night's Watch vow. She cites it, I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, the second sentence of that vow, it shall not end until my death. They also say, I shall live and die at my post. And then finally, at the end, they pledge my, their lives, etc. She wants to know, is John actually beholden to the Night's Watch at this point? I mean, technically it seems he isn't. He could leave and go be Lord Stark of Winterfell. Don't know about that. He's still a snow. Uh, do you think that somewhere they might take the story? It looks, uh, I mean, it looks like Ramsey's going to head to Castle Black, so a battle between the two seems inevitable. What do you think? We've... Uh, yeah, we pretty much talked about this. I, I think he's not under that oath anymore. Uh, that technically, is... now will he still view it as an oath? Right, that he needs and to what uphold? will the Black Brothers think? What will the Wildlings think? There's right. some politi- it's not just a legal thing, just like the yeah. Dorn situation. There's also, you know... The, the the politics of it mm-hmm. and the fact that the, you know the night's watch needs him honestly you need somebody up there with their head out of their ass right with the white walkers coming uh john is one of the less head up his ass kind of guys so mm-hmm. uh he he might get he, he he might go back i don't know uh it is fair to point that i always assumed that that was like a ironclad way for him to get out to do more awesome things but now that i've seen this point in the show like i don't know that would feel like abandoning his post because they need him. I mean, and maybe he decides that he needs to abandon his post. If Sansa gets up there and, you know, maybe because, you know, we said he can't be Lord Stark of Winterfell, but he might be able to bring Sansa down there to become. Yeah. Uh, what, what lady Stark of Winterfell. I mean, that would be pretty cool. And I could see him needing to abandon his post for that Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, finally making a decision that no, I'm not in fact under this oath anymore. It's interesting because that reopens the War of the North because yeah. technically the Warden of the North is a king-appointed position, so it's not, it's not oh, up to them. so they can't even give it to her? Yeah. Those are all they vassals. They have to have Tommen do it? Yeah. I mean, I mean that's the thing. Like, it's already kind of promised to Littlefinger. Like, but that's maybe. the thing. Like, Rob said, fuck it all, I'm king of the North. So right. they could do that same thing with Sansa. And what is what is... Even if King's Landing wanted to do, when they've got the Dorns coming with the Sun Spears up their asses, what yep. are they going to do? I don't know. Uh, Brett from Hawaii said, "What are the odds that Tommen bites the dust this year, thus fulfilling Maggie the Frog's prophecy for Cersei?" My early favorites: three to one odds, Dorn and Sand Snakes via Bad Pussy; five to one, Sparrows via Hammering during an uprising at King's Landing; <laughs> seven to one. Varys in an early jump start to pave the way for Danny, and nine to one, Lady Olena gets the rare double Kingslayer award. Uh, I actually think you might have underestimated the odds on Lady Olena, because remember she and Littlefinger got something cooked right. up involving a young boy, yeah. and there she definitely 
uh, is not pleased with the way her family's being treated. And she's done it before. And so she's done it before. She's no stranger. I don't know. The thing is, she has no claim to the throne, if you want right. to talk about the... And again, Yeah, her the politics. kid never married Cersei... No, right? no, no. That she or did. did they Marjorie get married? did get married, but you're right. And she could be the queen regent, I guess. Right? The queen. Weren't, they, weren't they? Wasn't she also supposed to marry their son or something? Oh yeah, Cersei. Cersei's supposed, Cersei's to, supposed marry. to marry the son, but that was right. just a marriage alliance that has nothing to do. Sure, with the rule. sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen this season. I don't know people like, but Aaron, you just said that. Pol- but I'm like, yeah, but the politics of King's Landing is a little bit. I don't know that there's a popular if there's a popular uprising it's the the sparrows it has nothing to do with the, the right. houses and all that so it's kind of you know it, it's it's who can make the best claim and back it up with might right and it seems like Highgarden still has they're the breadbasket of Westeros and they have a lot of troops so yeah and I like honestly I don't see you know the sparrows rolling in killing Tom and taking over the the city and then. Some other faction coming in and taking the throne from them. I see the Lannisters killing the Sparrows, the people being super angry, uh, but at the same time not not overthrowing them, not being able to. Do you think the young man is Gendry? Has Littlefinger found the, a line on him and somehow oh, legitimize him and married that? Hmm. Does the third king, the fourth king, that she to try and replace the king? <laughs> Like, yeah. legally replace the yeah, king? Yeah, and then marry Marjorie to him. I never fucked that 14-year-old kid. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Who would do a thing like yeah. that? Yeah. Who? Who would possibly deflower a 14-year-old <laughs> kid? He's too innocent. Yeah, I don't uh, see it happening until next season, though. Like, I I don't <laughs> oh, know about this Jesus, season. Jesus, man. Put off stuff. I mean... Eight more episodes. There's a lot of shit to deal with. I mean... Yeah, eight more episodes this season, and we got 13 more episodes after this season. There's not a lot of time to dilly-dally, man. I know, but I I just don't see Tommen getting killed this season. Uh, J.J. Johnson has a lighter take. Uh, Shadow Babies, eh, maybe. Three-Eyed Crows, okay. Walking out in the night in the fire with three dragons, yeah, I guess it could happen. There's no way in hell that those pins don't fall out of those dragon collars if they don't have cotter keys. That's a bridge too far. (laughs) Come on, J.J. Balin just died. This It's too soon. Don't be talking about bridges too far. Uh, that's wow. like, I guess that's the thing is like when, when Tyrion put his hand on that pin and started to pull, I'm like, there's no fucking way he's going to be able to pull this out. Right. But I don't know. Do you need Whatever. To see him pull I don't Cotter care. Pin? Right. Yeah. Should, should they get out the, the, should they have to call in the maester to cast a spell on the fucking thing? Like, yeah, right. What do you want? It's uh, going to, it's going to come off. Just let it happen. He comes out with like a hammer and like some kind of, like that's the, you know, then the dragon's going to flame him. So yeah. Uh, Jody D in Pittsburgh. This question is more for Aaron, but I'm wondering why D, the Double Ds spend so much screen time on Ramsey. When he first met him, he spent an inordinate amount of time on his torture and mutilation of Theon. This could have conveyed the same information to the audience with half the screen time, maybe less. In last night's episode, it took an awfully long time for them to finally cut away from the feeding of Fat Walda and the new baby to the dogs. Way too much screen time. His character's already well-established. I don't think he could do anything at this point, which would surprise me. When there are many other plot lines in the air, they always choose to spend valuable extra minutes on Ramsey. I am so bored. My question okay, is well, this... I, I completely disagree on too much too much time on Ramsey during the Theon torture because that was not as much about Ramsey as it was about Theon. You needed to truly believe that Theon would be cowed. And that's, so you've got the show, I, I, I'm going to go from a book, a book reader's perspective. She says, my question is this, does Gurm, 
spend an equal amount of book time? Does he devolve so many words, uh, devote so many words rather to describing Ramsey's sociopathy, or is this a show issue? So that's the thing. The book gets to cheat because it just puts you right in the mind of Theon. Yeah. And he no, they don't because it's it's Theon's recollections of what happened to him that you can be a little more economical as he's doing other things. You can be thinking about you know, and, and you really get into the kind of the mind of madness that this constant torture can induce them to a person. Right. You can't do that on the show, not unless you got some kind of David Lynch freaky shit that's not in this show's wheelhouse. So. Mm-hmm. I debated back and forth about whether they needed to show that much torture because you you're right it's more about Theon it's it's his you know, Theon did a lot of bad shit uh you know murdered children murdered Stark Bannerman um did a lot of bad stuff you had to believe that he was broken and humbled and then did, did all the stuff now I do feel like it's a. I do feel like the double D's just enjoy this, for lack of a better word. This is kind of like the same so. way that um, uh, you know Greg Nicotero and The Walking Dead just loves to peel faces off zombies and have blood flow. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. they're bad people. I'm just saying that they, 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 as kids, they probably read Salem witch trial books and right. and stuff about the brazen bulls and Iron Maidens and were like you know horrified slash fascinated. So. It's it's if if you don't like that kind of stuff, it's it's a rough time. So sure, sure. But no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's. It, I don't think it's completely closed the book. You can't debate the fact that they spent too much time on it. I think, but I think that they had to spend a decent amount of time. Right, and I like. I don't. I don't know. Maybe you thought these scenes were too long. Maybe you thought the stuff with Ramsey killing the baby with the dogs was went on too long but that needed to happen not from a hey ramsey's a lunatic perspective but from a plot perspective this guy needs to kill his father in the air because if he doesn't he's going to be pushed out like there there are obvious motivations for him at this point other than just i'm crazy yeah and and i feel like that also that they we talked about is he the most hated character on television history ever uh i i kind of hated joffrey more but, really? Yeah, we talked about this, right? Hmm. Last last episode. I think uh, he's taken over for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate the guy, and I think he's completely irredeemable. Because like, I never took Joffrey seriously as a threat. It was always stupid that he killed Ned Stark. Like, that should have never happened. Right. <laughs> and it's just dumb that it did. But Ramsey, I always took as more of a credible threat. He's smart. He has more of his own agency. He, I agree. There's just something about Joffrey. I don't know. Uh, He's definitely got a punchable face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no. Uh, I think we've given we've already given him too much podcast time, let alone screen time. Aaron B. says, what do you think... Uh, so what do you think the murder of Fat Walda does for the Bolton Frey Alliance? I have to say, leading up to that scene, I was screaming at my TV, I get it, don't show the murder of a newborn. Don't you show that double... Don't you show that double Ds? Why and not? They, I needed to cut away, but it's still stomach-churningly upsetting. Fat Walda was a nice girl. Let's stop calling her Fat Walda, first of all. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. She's got a name, and it's she's, not Fat she, Walda. She's, she's, uh, she, she likes to eat, or maybe she's got a thyroid condition. This is Walda. Lady Bolton. Walda. Lady Bolton, please. Lady Bolton. Show some respect. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. So what's Daddy Frey going to do when he finds out? Does he find out? He is pretty ticked when someone didn't marry his kid, to put it mildly. What will he do when he finds out mm. one was fed to some dogs? I'm not too torn up about Roost, though, outside his usefulness as the resident, sexy-voiced older man. 
uh, R.I.P. Roos's sexy voice. Aren't there uh, plenty? Of, aren't there plenty of those in the show? They're dying though. They're dying quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so a lot of I, I've heard I've heard women say that Jorah, super sexy. Okay. Uh, I know that there was some kind of fascination with Charles Dance's portrayal of Tywin. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, clearly he was a, a bit of a, a covert ladies' man. But uh, I don't know. Uh, that's that's not what does it for me. You got, you got Davos. Come on. Davos is Davos sexy. I don't Davos know. Davos is just I earnest. Mean, He's earnest and pragmatic. That's not sexy in its own way. I don't know that he gets the the the, the ladies moist. <laughs> All right. Well, you have to ask a lady. I wouldn't know, but <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. The real the question. I don't think Frey gives a shit about Walda, fat, skinny, or indifferent. But he does probably yeah. take the insult to his family honor and the fact that this yeah. represents like, well, I can't count on these as. Yeah, I, I don't think there is a Bolton Frey alliance, and it's one of the many things that Ramsey didn't think of when he did this shit. Right. Like, yeah, maybe he's solid with the Karstarks, maybe, but he's out of his fucking mind if he thinks he can march up to the to the Castle Black and not have... I mean, it's just... It yeah. seems, again, self-evident that this is a disastrous course of action for the Boltons to undertake. I agree. I mean, to the extent that you think that Roos is smart, that's the, I'm on that side. Roos just said, are you out of your fucking mind? You can't do anything that you want to do. And I think Ramsey's going to do it. So mm-hmm. now I, so do the phrase become good guys at the end of all this? Uh, that's tough to no see. No fucking way. No <laughs> fucking way. Um, anyway, maybe, maybe Ramsey can take, uh, the phrase out before he gets around to, uh, trying okay. to get himself killed up North. Okay, Barry C. from the UK. I'm glad we are raising Jon Snow from the dead, and we got that out of the way as it was such a poorly kept secret, but one thing bothered me. Uh, I simply wasn't sold on the idea that Davos and the Wildling guy would be so desperate to get Jon back that they would see if they could raise him from the dead. I never got the feeling that either, the, either of them felt Jon was so integral, integral to winning the war against the White Walkers, or that they had such a big bond with Jon that they would resort to desperate measures. Surely if this was their plan B for such an event, they both would have tried to resurrect other people by now. If my skeptic- Is my skepticism valid, or did I miss some important plot point which would validate why Davos and company would feel compelled to try something genuinely impossible for an acquaintance at best? I don't know about Davos, but saying that Jon is just an acquaintance to Tormund seems to really completely forget about how much they went through together. And yes, I know John ultimately betrayed them, but on the other hand, John ultimately saved them. Right. right. So I think, I, I don't know. The, the fairer question might be, why did Davos just jump to say, can you raise this guy from the dead? Yeah, uh, that's a real good question. I mean, I think Davos has some motivation. I mean, Stannis is gone. That was kind of his hope for, for taking the, the throne here. Yep. Everybody's just kind of real down. Yeah. And John being dead is another real bummer up there at the wall. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Like, why? Why? Why uh, try and magic it? Yeah, but I don't know. So did you... Did you I, I guess I didn't have problems because I guess I'm in full... This is fucking awesome mode, but... Yeah. I just yeah. bought it that Davos... It seemed like Stannis really respected John. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davos really respected Stannis. Uh, I think Davos, is, above all else, seems like he's a pragmatist. Pragmatist. Jesus, I'm having a trouble. Um, I, I, and, and this seems like the pragmatic thing to do. Alistair Thorne is not the guy you want as the Lord Commander at this particular time. No. Because the other thing is Davos is a, a, is a real believer about the fight against the, uh, the White Walkers. Yeah. Who is the best position to lead that fight? 
Now, again, jumping to, hey, you got any more of that magic stuff? I, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to kind of chalk it up to the rule of cool. Uh, Christy T. from New York. I don't see what the big deal with the White Walkers are. We learned from the Hard Home episode that they don't swim. Can't all of Westeros sail to Essos? Additionally, if everyone to Essos, wouldn't the coming winter be milder or even non-existent? Jim, would you like to field this one? Uh, do we know that the White Walkers can't swim? That's my first thought. Like, they chose not to pursue them over water. Because they're in boats, and they can go faster, and there's no point. And right? also, like, we'll see you soon, fuckers, I think is Mike, you know, when, yeah. he, when he raises his arm and, like, look at my army, this is coming for you. I don't... So I don't know that they can't swim. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that they can't build boats, like... Maybe they could boat across to Essos. I don't know that anywhere is safe from this winter. You're missing the obvious question. What's that? How big is her penis? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know it doesn't have to be proportional, so who knows? Yeah, it could be this. Maybe they could just extend it like a bridge and walk to Essos. pneumatic penises that go for hundreds of miles, and they're just going to deploy them over the, who knows? Yep. Pole vault. Human centipede. It's going to pole vault over with those things. Um, The other thing is, like, Saying that they could they could sail to Westeros to get away from them or sail to Essos to get away, is like saying that you know uh, Paleolithic man could flee North America to North to Europe to get away from the glaciers, right? Like this is shit that's coming north it's a force and of nature. It's, it's coming across the globe and and it's it's not natural, it's supernatural. But right. the only reason it didn't turn. Planetos into an ice cube, according to legend, is because Azora High and all the other things came together to stop them. Yeah. So if these guys march north south, they will bring the winter with them and it will eventually cover the whole planet, it is assumed. Now the regular old winters that happen, they don't yeah, you're right. You can you sure. can uh you know be a snowbird and, and, and go south. But this is a supernatural once in an eon event that is some kind of mystic thing that's happening and no you can't you know essos is going to be just as cold and it's going to spread spread south across the a whole globe did Alistair say a thousand years when he was talking about i don't know if he said a thousands or, or he say a thousand generations i know someone oh okay someone said something and and that's the other thing is no one really knows because there was even a line that where Sam was saying, you know, there's supposed to be 900, you're supposed to be 998, but I can only find evidence for like 600-ish. Oh, wow. Like you're talking are about... spinning tails up there at the wall? Uh, well, or is there just volumes missing? Right. Or is that the fact that you've got 8,000 years of history and some of us gotten garbled? Yeah. You know, uh, is like, you know, Brand the Builder supposedly is this... Uh, mythical Stark guy that built Winterfell and he built uh, the wall and did he really or is he you know is he an amalgam of several figures that worked for I, who knows no one that's the fun thing about this world building is it's presented you are like a Westerosi trying to figure it out like anyone else you want to be a maester and go through a bunch of wikis and the world of ice and fire and try to figure it out or do you just want to be like yeah fuck it I'm going to talk about Cersei's tits and and Sounds uh, good to that me. stuff oh, um, oh, okay yeah her CG tits, her stunt double tits. <laughs> stunt does her stunt tits. Uh, Nathan W. says, Is it just me or are the Faith Militant slash Sparrows in the book not as bad as they are in the show? Maybe I'm misremembering or picking up on subtleties, but when I first read the books, I read them as not a wholly good force. But in general, I thought that they had interest of the common people in mind more than most other factions. However, on the show, they come out right away and say, If you're gay, we're going to kill you, which immediately shows that they're intended to be villains. In the books, I don't remember any homophobia on their part, but this might be a memory. I have, I have no comment on this. I haven't read the books. 
I mean, I guess I, yeah, I mean, the homophobia, I guess, is a little bit different. But on the other hand, they're putting people on trial for con- consensual sex. I mean, granted, right. it's forni- it's adultery and fornication. But in the books, that's a canon fact. So just because they're not, they've got not gotten around to persecuting people for their homosexuality, I still think. And I, I felt like that in the books, it's kind of like in, in today that people and you know that there's difference acceptings of different lives like the common people might be like oh abominations and yeah whereas the people that are more highborn have a more nuanced view of it like oh you know you got you got a couple of uh hmm. guys who like guys and what are you gonna do you know sure um and maybe the sparrows could take advantage of that i i don't know i i feel like that a lot of this also is commentary on our present day um but hmm. I get I don't know I, she, eh, eh. <laughs> were they were they I'm floundering better here. in the books were they worse in the books did you get a sense of that when you were reading it so my sense is my the sense I got in the books that Cersei is a fool for turning the the for letting them in the, right faith and I got that sense and that's in the, the show that's the thing so I I guess I thought they were bad but you know. I started thinking since the show and since we started talking about it, how that these guys are the people's champion. Mm-hmm. And I guess I considered that. And there's also some like kind of some bookish speculation I had that made me think that maybe they were better than, than they are. But I don't think we, we never got, I don't, I don't know. I feel like the, the show has fleshed them out a little bit more. And as a consequence, maybe because they're cutting corners, maybe the books are supposed to be better than they are. Should should I have cut this all out? Should this be a spoiler section? No, I mean, unless you, unless I mean, these aren't really spoilers, but it's no. also people to watch the show. I don't know that they give a shit. Sure, sure. Uh, the the thing about the the faith militant that I was always, I don't know, I always had a question about is, what if Cersei didn't let them in? What if Cersei didn't call upon them? Uh, it's not like they wouldn't be trying to do the same things they're doing right now, right? Yeah, but they wouldn't be in the middle of the Great Sept of Baelor recruiting and getting these hordes of people to follow them. Or would they? I mean, would they just have to take a more circuitous route to get there? Uh, just kind of go the long way around? Well, I'm saying, like, if so, yeah, they might have had to stay underground, but if you had, if if, if they, I I feel like they did it, it slowed them down, because if you're like, hey, you see a guy with a seven sta- uh, uh, seven-sided stars carved on his forehead, execute them. That puts the kibosh, whereas once yeah, they get... Yeah, but they didn't do that with the way things went anyway, right? Like, they're that's what refusing to execute these people. But Cersei, it, but but that's because they're all in the great. That'd be like, you know. It, but it's not just because she feels the like church now. So you can't really like the the people like you. If if you took this crazy high sparrow and 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 offed him and mm-hmm. replaced him with your own high sparrow, and then just as a few dozen at a time killed these guys as traitors. I don't know the small f- people. The the small folk care. Mm. Whereas you get a couple Maybe. hundred of them, and they're these guys talking about how the Lannisters are ruining things and how they're not looking out for the common man and they start to have this pop popularity and then they yeah i mean i i feel like you could have nipped it in the bud but they didn't okay they chose to fertilize it and and water yeah. it and let it grow and by they you mean cersei and by she they i mean cersei. huge mistake yep and we knew it was a mistake at the time yep andrew in says uh Tyrion needs to stop with the eunuchs jokes it's unbecoming of yep. him yep it's it's not funny anymore where does this come from? He never did this when Tyrion served as the Hand of the King, working close with Varys, perhaps because it was Peter Baelish's favorite jab at uh, Var- Varys. Speaking of Varys, I really miss the silver tongue of the spider. 
Varys seems to have lost his wit and irony in these last two seasons. You no longer see him as truly a spider master plotting and manipulating information. I hope we get back to that. Yeah. I will say that this is a slightly darker Tyrion. Like, the Tyrion, as when he was the Hand, was like, oh, shit, my dad's giving me a big boy role. I'm going to distinguish myself. I'm going to be, uh, what's the equivalent of presidential? Handedential. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be very handish. Uh-huh. Um, I, and this is a Tyrion that's murdered his father, been been fleeing from his life, drunk all the time, and a lot a lot coarser. I to still be fair. Think, he was always drunk all the time. I, I still think he needs to fucking stop. Though. He does. He does. Uh, the writers need to to realize that this is getting old. Or have Tyrion fight, or I'm sorry, Varys fight back or something. Right. But yeah, just like yeah, I'll get it. I don't have a cock and balls. All right? Yeah. When I was a little boy, some fucking warlock cut him off from me, and you know what? I shipped his ass back and went to town on him with a blowtorch and some metal tongs. So one what? more joke. Yeah. One more joke, One Tyrion. more fucking joke. It's essentially <laughs> the, el- the his scene in Elf, only in reverse. Call me a eunuch one more time. You feeling strong? Um, <laughs> Paul G says, why would Davos even think about the res... Okay, so this is the plot. I, I thought I forgot to include this, but just a little bit later than I thought. Paul G... Why would Davos even think about resurrection? How would he think that this is something a sane person would ask? Right. It would have been good to hear some sort of backstory to this. It seems very out of place. It could have been very simple. When I was a pirate, I heard all sorts of stories from Esso Seaman who told all sorts of tales, like red priests raising from the dead. I agree. They could have used that. Yeah, it did feel I never the believed blue. them, but then I saw you squirt out a shadow baby out your vagina, and now... Uh, I still don't give a shit about your god, but you got something going on for you. Right. You clearly make things happen. Yeah, I, I I feel like that's... I mean, it's a very minor nitpick of an awesome episode. Sure. But yeah, the, the, the 10 seconds of dialogue might have smoothed that over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca, are we sure that the Wildlings can actually take on the Boltons? Castle Black is poorly defended from the south by design, especially since the giant just destroyed the gate. Maybe there were 4,000 Wildlings, and maybe half of these are able-bodied fighters... But don't the Boltons have significant numerical advantages? I think the Castle Black forces are going to need serious reinforcements if this battle actually happens. Maybe we should be rooting for Littlefinger to show up and fight the Boltons so they can leave Castle Black alone. Uh, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I can't tell how many wildlings actually made it out. I, th- I want to say the number was like five grand. They started but... with a hundred thousand. Then right. hard home happened. Then the mar. I mean, but they obviously didn't take all of them to hard home. No. That would be stupid. And and also all of them aren't fighting people, as as Rebecca mentioned. They're not right. uh, men and women capable of bending a bow. And, and I've lost track. Yeah, I don't know. I will say though that I think that the thing you're missing is that. I don't I like what Rue said. Like, are you out of your mind? If you attack the, the Night's Watch, all the North will turn against us. Do you think Roos is lying? Do yeah. you think he's do you think he's dumb? <laughs> right. So I mean Jon Snow comes back to bed. I or comes back to bed. Jon Snow comes back from the dead. I don't think he's forgot how to write or send ravens. So they sure. told him fuck off before. The answer might be different. Like if he rallies the banners as they as they were especially against an unpopular leader. That's where I think it's going to that's what I think it's going to go down. Okay. And I think Littlefinger does have a role to play coming up very soon. Like my guess is uh the mop-up operation he's talking about. He's probably going to sneak in behind Ramsay's army that goes out to Castle Black. Uh-huh. Take Winterfell, Ramsay comes back even if he has defeated Castle Black. 
he's not going to have a home. Plus, remember how tough Stannis had a time of marching to yeah. Winterfell from the Wall? Marching Ram- south. Ramsay's right. going to have that uh, in reverse. Right. And he's going to be the beleaguered, tired, ill-provisioned force against a force that's got... You know, I know that the Black Brothers don't have a ton, but they're fairly well-provisioned for all of winter. Yeah. And all they need to do is last a few weeks against these guys. So you're right, though. Castle Black is poorly defended, but... You know, men make the best walls, as they say. Strong men. Uh, Nate says, after Jamie's done talking with uh, Tommen, he mentions that he killed a king and his cousin. I know he killed Aerys Targaryen, but can you please remind me of who the cousin was? Jim, do you want to help us out? No, I have no idea. Who? Okay, so when he was held prisoner by Rob Stark, he beat to death one of his cousins while he was in chains as a way to provide a distraction to escape. And they had this like long discussion about how he squired for him. And then Did Jamie, they? Yeah, oh, then okay. Jamie just beat his brains in, so that's what he's referring to. Huh. I think that's in right. season Shit. two. I don't remember I that. I think that's in season two. It's been a while. It might be in season. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're six seasons in, it kind of blends together, but... Yeah. Um, what was that guy's name? <laughs> Good something, luck. Something Lannister. Probably started with <laughs> an R or an S or a V sure, or, or a T or an L. Uh-huh, one of those things. <laughs> it started with all the Wheel of Fortune numbers or letters you get <laughs> at the beginning. And don't forget your vowel. <laughs> right. You got to buy that Y. Oh, God damn, you fucked it up. Um, <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all the feedback we got. I feel like it's enough. We got a two-hour marathon podcast here. Yeah. But we're not done. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, this is only half the feedback I got. The others in the spoiler edition that you got to wait till Friday to get to. Christ, um, lots, uh, the lot, lots, lots more to come, and then we got the episode. It's it's a non-ending, perfect, perpetual, perpetual, perpetual fame of phones, muffin yeah. that we're running here at Fald Foov. And if you'd like to uh, join into that uh, perpetual machine, you can send email into Game of Thrones at baldmove dot com. Or, as always, the forums uh, and yeah. all those links are always in the show notes for your convenience if you forget. So Right. Don't forget for the spoiler people, we've got the spoiler cast coming up on Friday uh, where we'll talk about all that. And if you're not a spoiler phobe, or if you're a spoiler phobe, we'll see you Sunday night right after the episode for the instant cast. Yep. And until then, I'm Jim. Bye-bye. <laughs>